Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Four Democratic congresswomen of color have just spoken publicly as a group for the first time about the racist tweets aimed at them by the President of the United States. President Trump has sparked a storm of outrage after a series of racist tweets targeting members of Congress who are women of color. Yesterday, the President unleashed a racist outburst of tweets attacking four Democratic congresswomen of color. They serve as ugly reminders of Donald Trump's xenophobia misogyny and racism. So there is a sample of the reaction from Monday. Mainstream media, for the most part, not mincing words, calling tweets targeting four women of color by President Trump racist. As far as the straight news people, most of those were anchors that you showed, uh, many, many outlets have just uh, skipped the critics say part, and they say racist attacks, racist tweets. Um, I think a better approach is for journalists, and I'm not defending these tweets, by the way, is to lay it out uh, but not say it's racist because that goes to motive. You're saying in his heart he's a racist. People are smart enough to make up their minds for themselves. They don't have to, since the president denies any racist intent, and people can accept or dismiss that, uh, you, it's fine to say racially charged, incendiary, divisive, all of those are fine, but I don't think the media have to um, go so far as to say, we, we don't believe the president, we think it's racist. Reaching peak racism right now. CNN and MSNBC, according to, to The Hill this morning, had said the word racist 1,100 times. That was this morning since Sunday. Okay, so today's Tuesday. <laughs> so now it so must be like 28,000. Yeah, so I, I think when you, it's 1,100 times by Tuesday afternoon. I'd call that maybe an overreaction. Uh, I, 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 it's hysterical and it's hysteria. I also do love Joe Biden uh, saying that Donald Trump is the worst, the most racist president in history. I think he apparently forgot that some presidents own slaves. <laughs> I think Biden is at the low point. I mean, he's not even using this Effectively. Okay, I'm going to go with the obvious truth that we've talked about before. Trump goes after everyone, okay? Nobody gets an exemption, right? He's not like CNN or fellow politicians who factor in race, gender, or sexual orientation before they criticize you. That's why we always joke about how the, the squad is like a protected class. Nobody, everybody, oh, we better not say anything. So he, so they give special dispensation to protected classes where Trump doesn't. So who is more racist? The guy who doesn't care who you sleep with, what color you are, or the patronizing media? I would go with the media is more racist than Trump because after all, they're the ones that, they are, they are so in love with this because they have nothing left. And remember, CNN doesn't report honestly. They're lower thirds. They say, you know, Trump's racist attacks. We at Fox News, we label our commentary and we label our news. You know which is which. They ma- and welcome back to Flower Politic Podcast. It's the 20th of July, year of our Lord, 2019. And that right there is some pushback, which we don't have a whole lot of, on the usual topics, which we're going to get to at the end of the show because we had so much listener participation this time. People sending in articles. We're going to do news and social media nuggets up front and then the crazy in the back and surprisingly i got two emails one person did not want to be mentioned on the show but they said they wanted to hear more conservative voices as in sound bites that 
were not the media saying the same old shit. So I started the show with it with Howard Kurtz and Gutfeld. And another one was from a guy named Fred, which I don't think is your name, Fred, but I think you got good form because when I go to Starbucks, I literally use Fred. I don't know why I do it. I just always have. I never say my real name. And new listener, which there's been a lot of new listeners. There was like 600 listens this week. Not to the latest episode, so people are definitely going through the back catalog. Uh, there's some back catalog with a lot of listens, which, you know, maybe I need to go back and replicate that. But um, anyway, I was going to play the mail motherfucker, like I've done a couple times, but we don't get a lot of mail. But um, And his question basically was my background, because he, you know, hasn't listened to the beginning. But long story short, 20-year Army vet. Um Born and raised in Oregon, lived all over the world, married a beautiful young lady in 1987 and stayed married with her. Two grown kids, two grandkids. Upon completion of the Army, uh, I went and worked for a retail company and moved up from assistant manager to eventually VP of operations. Then that company got sold for the third fucking time and I didn't have a job anymore. I did a stint with another retail company, which won't be named because I don't even like saying their name anymore because they sucked. And I did a stint with uh, a community center. But right now I'm unemployed, working basically in the house and taking care of my wife, which makes me a housewife, I guess, um, with uh, the goal of going back to work after my wife fully recovers. Um, I like fishing. I like the Green Bay Packers. I like the Oregon Ducks. That's me. So, I'm not anybody but just a normal dude, which is why this is a show for normal Americans. Um, Before we move into our new social media nuggets, I wanted to play one soundbite to kind of send us off into that. And as you see by our uh, intro, you know, the word of the week, boys and girls, is racist. Racist. Racist, da 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 da, ra, racist, racist, da da da. That's from like I think that's from freaking Electric Company, ain't it? Um, but yeah, they use racist a lot this week, and they use it so much that Tom Elliott kind of sums it up. Not counting Chirons, which you think is how you'd get this number. CNN used the word racist in reference to Trump six hundred and thirty-six times in Sunday morning, per Grabian. For those wondering. MSDNC has described Trump as racist 471 times. So as we go into our news and social media nuggets with our listener pushed articles or suggested articles, here is just a little soundbite. Well, it's not little. It's pretty long. Of the word racist being batted around about go back to your country, then come back and fix our country. Which... In our current world, I guess, is racist. President Trump today declared, I don't have a racist bone in my body, but the firestorm over his racist tweets is only growing. The president telling four congresswomen of color to go back to the countries they came from. Most Republicans have been trying to avoid the issue entirely. Are these attacks good politics? Are they good for Republicans? Let's find out. No, I don't think they're... First of all, I don't think they're attacks. They're not attacks? Him saying they should go back to their country isn't an attack? No. Only a handful have been willing to criticize the president. 
It's dangerous. It's demeaning to our fellow Americans, and that's simply wrong. Republican leader Mitch McConnell is now calling on everyone to tone it down, but he's declining to address the president's comments directly or to say if they were racist. We start with breaking news tonight. The House of Representatives voted tonight to officially condemn President Trump for his racist tweets. Several Republicans joining Democrats in voting for the resolution. The vote forced members to take a public position on the president's demeaning call for a group of liberal congresswomen to go back and fix the places they came from. Drama as Democrats tonight work to put the president's racist attack into the congressional record, voting to approve a resolution that, quote, strongly condemns President Donald Trump's racist comments that have legitimized and increased fear and hatred of new Americans and people of color. Mary, go first. Um, the president today says that many people agree with him and support these comments. I'm wondering if you can speak directly to those supporters of the president and explain why these comments are so harmful and hurtful. And on a personal note, if you can discuss the consequences and impact a bit of these comments. Have you had to up your security? Are you receiving increased threats? Uh, Human Omar in particular, but to all of you, can you respond to some of the president's specific claims, most notably that you're a communist and that you're pro-Al-Qaeda? Yeah, but isn't, that's what's problematic in the first place, right, is the fact that Republicans are constantly trying to run cover for the fact that the president is not only racist, he's a bigot, um, but he is completely un-American. He is behaving like a fascist, and that's what they need to be most concerned about. The fact that this president wants to silence anyone who has critique of this nation when democracy is fundamentally based on the fact that we have the opportunity to critique our country is utmost the most problematic thing, I think, that is coming out of this White House. House and this administration and the fact that Republicans are completely silent and moot about it and the fact that well, the president wants to behave I mean, like heard, a dictator we heard from is 19 problematic. Of them, uh, 19 of them came forward so with some, some more lukewarm than others, but 19 did come forward to condemn it on some level. I mean, 19 out of the entire caucus, right? It, it, you know, we are in a, in a place where literally these are perilous times, I believe, where you have the president of the United States who believes that he is a dictator, who wants to, tra- to, to bring out the military and show some strength and, and force that is about him and promoting white supremacy and to have the entire Republican caucus not up in arms about what is happening to our democracy is in and of itself problematic. And we need to be watching this vote today and hold folks accountable come come to the ballot box in 2020 for how they behave what they say and what i keep saying this president and his defenders intentionally hiding in his shadow 100 percent of the time no good time to shine the light number one there's a huge level of frustration across america that there are people in america that aren't proud of america They're always calling on the president to be impeached. They're always criticizing. Representative Comer, Republican from Kentucky, how dare you empower this ignorance? You don't tell Americans to go back to where they come from. They come from here. You know what the suggestion is, that if you're brown, you're an other. Political frustration doesn't find its satisfaction in bigotry. Not here. And then this guy. We all know that AOC and this crowd are a bunch of communists. They hate Israel. They hate our own country. They are socialist. They're anti-Semitic. They stand for all the things that most Americans disagree with. What happened to Senator Lindsey Graham? 
You know, he once called this president a race-baiting, xenophobic, religious bigot. Look it up. But now this. The senator swallows every serving. He does nothing but affix himself to the presidential posterior. And that comes with an odor, and it will remain. My team reached out to all of these Republicans in leadership. Nearly every committee chair or ranking member, plus every Republican in leadership in both chambers of Congress. It was a big job. We needed to do it. More than 50 offices called. All right? We emailed, called. You're looking at the GOP leaders whom we still haven't heard from. Three commented to the team. By our count, 10 others spoke out elsewhere. That's it. It's been more than 36 hours since the president tweeted. And I no longer want the -the off-the-record calls, the helpful people who call to say, oh, you know, we've basically had to add another P to GOP. It's the grand old pity party now. It's so we don't like what he says. You get no sympathy. If you hide... Your weakness is obvious. What you ignore, you empower. What you rationalize as something other than what it is, you now own. If you don't call racist BS, like what this president said and did, what it is, then you're as bad as this president for saying it. He knows his words are ugly and untrue and divisive, un-American even. But he does it anyway, to curry favor with those who reject diversity. That's why he always says, but a lot of people agree with me, see his play. He wants to lead the mob. The Greeks had a word for that, demagogue, one who is popular with the masses by selling bias and prejudice. That's what he is. That's why I have called him that for a long time. And he has always been this. Listen to him on the Central Park Five, birtherism. Immigrants, listen closely. Of course I hate these people. And let's all hate these people because maybe hate is what we need if we're going to get something done. Perhaps it's going to say Hawaii. Perhaps it's going to say Kenya. Perhaps it's going to say something. I'd like to see place of birth. When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And some... I assume are good people. Donald J. Trump is calling for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States. You had some very bad people in that group, but you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. They got a lot of rough people in those caravans. They are not angels. They are not. You should go back and look at that clip of right before he said very fine people. You see him think, what do I call them? What do I call them? He, I've always said it and I mean it. He is too smart to say things that are this stupid. That's what a demagogue does. He wants the Pinos of this country to love him. You remember Pino from Do the Right Thing? Thank you, pizza, pizza, and go to back to Africa. John Turturro there. Pino is an ignorant fool, limited by exposure, education, culture bias. I grew up around a slew of Pinos. I get it. This president is something far more dangerous than he. Breaking news, we're awaiting a vote in the House of Representatives on a resolution condemning President Trump's racist comments directed at members of Congress. Judging by the debate so far, it has the support of very few uh, Republicans. Let's bring in our correspondents and our analysts and Jeff Azzelini. Condemning racism shouldn't necessarily be a partisan issue. 
Well, if everything's a partisan issue, particularly in this climate, in this moment, in this town, and this whole uh, discussion has devolved into a partisan issue, not surprisingly at all. We haven't seen this exact uh, movie play out, but it seems like we have again and again with it. A lot of this is trying to appeal to some of the worst uh, resentments uh, that a faction of Americans hold against people of color. And that's really what this debate is all about. Look, I think it's pretty remarkable that instead of having a conversation, instead of seeing the Republicans have a conversation about whether or not the president's words were actually racist, we're having a conversation about whether or not it is acceptable to call something that, let's be clear, is plainly racist by that name on the House floor. But they were also elected in part to represent the voices of communities uh, who aren't, who haven't really been represented within the hallways of Congress. And so so for them to be attacked on the basis of the color of their skin, that is why that you have seen this uproar in terms of the way that the president singled out them specifically. Yeah, certainly uh, nothing about that statement seemed particularly well thought out. And I think Kellyanne Conway is sort of falling back to her classic gaslighting. She's trying to suggest, well, we all come from somewhere else, as though the president's comments had nothing to do with the fact that these are uh, that these evening from Washington, D.C. I'm Joy Reid in for Chris Hayes. Well, for the last three years, there's been this agonized national debate. Is Donald Trump a racist? Does he realize that the thing he just said is exciting racists and white nationalists? Does the thing he said this time finally prove he's a racist? But you know who's not been having this big debate? Donald Trump. After decades of clear evidence of racism, Trump clearly knows exactly what he's saying and to whom. And as president, he has consistently backed up his racist talk with policy. He's putting real racist policy on the table, designed to excite racially anxious white Americans and to terrify people who aren't white. So yes, Donald Trump is really racist. Fini. This weekend, Trump added to the ledger, targeting four black and brown Democratic Congresswomen, Representatives Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ilhan Omar, Ayanna Presley, and Rashida Tlaib to punish them for criticizing his hideous immigration policies, including locking Central American men, women, and children in crowded cages where they are told to drink water from the toilet, Trump pulled the ultimate barbecue Becky, telling them they don't belong here. Trump, in a tweet storm, told these four American congresswomen to go back to the countries they originally came from, even though all four are American, born in the Bronx, Ohio, Michigan, and one naturalized from Somalia as a teenager. Today, Trump was asked if it bothered him that white nationalists were high-fiving what he said. Who are you trying to get crazy with this scene? Don't you know I'm local? Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. Plus years of service. Combat medals. Citations. Only man to shoot down three enemy planes in the last 40 years. Yet you can't get a promotion. You won't retire. Despite your best efforts, you refuse to die.
You should be at least a two-star admiral by now. Yet here you are. Captain. Why is that? It's one of life's mysteries, sir. is inevitable, Maverick. You kind of set it for extinction. Maybe so, sir. But not today. military corner and that is the trailer for Maverick Top Gun. Oh my god, I gotta admit... Call me weird, but I literally peed a little bit in my pants when I saw that. I, I just did, man. I I remember Top Gun. I was new to the Army, and I was stationed in Alaska. I had no fucking life. I had no fucking car. I literally just took buses wherever I was going, and <clears throat> it was right before Air Assault School. Now, granted, Air Assault School compared to Airborne and Pathfinder, there's not really a macho course, but it's a mental course. You gotta learn how to sling load shit and, uh, do LZs and then you pathfind, or basically, uh, not pathfind, but, uh, uh, doggone repel. That's the whole course, alright? But I was scared of heights. And if you reflect back to Full Metal Jacket, the private pile, get off my obstacle pile! Get off my obstacle! I will train you! I don't care if it short dicks every cannibal in the Congo! I was pile. I was scared of heights, man. I get to that obstacle and shit my pants. So, in Alaska, it was the remnants of the cohort. So, for people that don't know, that cohort is a whole unit trains in basic. They show up to their unit, and there's cadre, E5s, E6s, E7s, officers, and they become a company, and they stay together for their enlistment of about four fucking years. Well, I came to the end of one, the 4th and the 327th Infantry, the best own brigade, up in Alaska, which used to be the 160th, and it ended up being the 117 before I left. It was part of the 172nd Infantry Brigade, which then became the 6th ID, and I don't even know what the fuck it is now. But So anyway, you do a PT test, and then you do the obstacle course, and then you'd run two miles with a canteen on your weapon. I don't know why that was there. I don't think they do it anymore. At least I don't see them doing it when I went around the air assault school in Fort Campbell when I was still in service. But you had to run with a fucking canteen on your weapon. So I was good at PT. So I'd get like a 290-something, 300, and I was in shape, and blah, 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 and I could run, and I couldn't do that obstacle, so I had a lieutenant, brand new lieutenant, 
straight out of VMI, went to airborne school, went to ranger school, came up there, and they threw him, you know, he was going to have to go to the school, because it was, they played it just like Fort Campbell, because this is where that unit kind of came from, and Fort Campbell was, you know, every leader's got to go to air assault school, because we're the air assault division. So this dude took me out there and made me go up and down that fucking thing like a hundred times. And of course it worked. I was no longer scared. So when we took that test, I was in the top 10%. And so I got an automatic slot to go to the air assault school. But I didn't want to go because all I could think of is repelling up a helicopter is big difference than climbing up a 40-foot fucking ladder, basically, with sprung out runs. And so uh, this is so embarrassing, but I'll say it. And it... I hate to keep digressing, but literally there was a show that showed this. I can't remember what it was. It was on TNT about the 80s and guys running around in fighter jack- jackets. And, you know, the Goldbergs on ABC has done things. That everybody had was enamored with Maverick. Well, I went to the movie, and that was what spurred me to want to go get my wings. And I went... And got my wings, and I didn't think I was Maverick, but I thought I was pretty fucking hot shit. I think I eventually sent those wings to my little brother, Matt in Oregon. The original air assault wings got pinned on my chest, and I, I remember that day. It was pretty cool. It was my first bell and whistle for my uniform. Uh, you do a 12-mile road march. I unfortunately had terrible blisters when I finished that fucker. And I remember walking across the stage limping and they pinned it on. They didn't do blood wings like airborne, which is where they punch them in your chest. Um, but I got my wings and I thought I was pretty fucking cool. So that movie's always been, I don't know, one of those ones I can watch it a million times. I have the 20th anniversary. I got the 30th anniversary on um, Amazon. And I gotta be quite honest. I can't wait to go see this. Um, it looks fucking fantastic. And the thing about it is, it looks like Mr. Tom Cruise, even though he's a freaky motherfucker, the trailer shows him in an aircraft. It's not fucking computer animated. It looks like he got up in a fucking F 18 and they broke his back, um, which would be kind of cool to watch. So that one's on the horizon. I definitely will be the first motherfucker in my zip code to go. And we'll do a review on the show. To more military stuff that's really more important than that, and and I was going to start right in with the first F-35 pilot is joining the Navy Blue Angels, but then news came in. USS Boxster destroyed Iranian drone. Trump said U.S. warship destroyed an Iranian drone in the Strait of Hormuz amid heightened tensions between the two countries. Trump said it's the latest hostile action by Iran. He called on other countries to condemn what he said. Our Iran's attempt to disrupt the freedom of navigation. They've grabbed another tanker. It's a British one. The amphibious assault ship Boxer took defensive actions after the drone closed within 1,000 yards of the warship. Ignored multiple calls to stand down. The president said the drone threatened the safety of the American troops, so they shot that motherfucker down. Now, by the time I put that into the script, and then a couple hours later, sitting in my chair last night, the media was going, well, Iran says we shot our own down. So we're going to get back into the same old cycle like they did with Pompeo. We cannot trust anything the CIA and Trump say because of Trump. And then come 2020 when Biden's president, everything they say shall be the gospel. So, uh, yeah, that's that's some serious shit right now. And if you've never flown on the Strait of Hormuz, I have. I was in a C-17 going into Kuwait when we could left Afghanistan. Man, on both sides, you're fucked. It's just not a good place to fly. So I cannot believe, you know, I, I don't 
prop up sailors other than Harmon Rab from JAG because he's everything. He's a SEAL, sub-commander. He even helped the space shuttle, if you remember that. Um, that was all joking, folks. <laughs> of course, he's a character on the show JAG. Um, <clears throat> but those sailors, they got to sit out there in those hostile areas. Yeah, yeah, you got some balls because you're surrounded by dickheads. Next article was Blue Angels. We have a guy from here in Tennessee will be there, and they're going to have, for the first time, uh, F-35 pilot. A Marine's going to be there. So that's kind of cool. Once again, those who have been with the show, every time I go to Pensacola, you're going to hear a montage of me waxing poetic about the Blue Angels because I get to watch them practice right over the top of me, and it's fucking cool. So neat for that. Uh, next thing was Esper getting confirmed, and I, I, I would usually put this in a pol- politics section, but this is, of course, Military Corner, and it was nice to see this guy dick stamp Elizabeth Warren, a la Pocahontas. If confirmed, will you commit not to work for or get paid by any defense contractor for at least four years after your government service? No, Senator, I will not. All right, so let me get this straight. You're still due to get at least a million-dollar payout from when you lobbied for Raytheon. You won't commit to recuse yourself from Raytheon's decision. You insist on being free to seek a waiver that would let you make decisions affecting Raytheon's bottom line and your remaining financial interests. And you won't rule out taking a trip right back through the revolving door on your way out of government service or even just delaying that trip for four years after you leave government. Secretary Esper, the American people deserve to know that you're making decisions in our country's oh. best security interests, not in your own financial interests. You can't make those commitments to this committee. That means you should not be confirmed as Secretary of Defense. Well, Senator, if I, if I may answer your question. At the age of 18, I went to West Point, and I swore an oath to defend this Constitution. And I embraced the motto called duty and honor and country. And I've lived my life of those values ever since then. I went to war for this country. I served overseas for this country. I've stepped down from jobs that paid me well more, well more than what I was working anywhere else. And each time it was to serve the public good and to serve the young men and women of our armed services. So no, uh, I, I disagree. So, I, I think the presumption is for some reason anybody comes from the business of the corporate world is corrupt. So I'm asking okay. the question. Excellent. No. Uh, this that's, is that's not it. right, Mr. Chairman. Senator he does Sullivan not. I didn't recognized. ask a question. Senator Sullivan, re- you've gone t- uh, two minutes over. No, I time. haven't gone over. Yes, he has have. gone over. And he Senator is Sullivan. not willing to make a commitment that he will not engage in conflicts of interest Thank you, for Mr. the Chairman. for which he was a lobbyist. This is outrageous. Thank you, Mr. The saddest thing about that is to a normal person, that is basically an example of a person who served their country basically calling out a I use my non-ethnicity to get ahead in life liberal. But, of course, in the media, it was Elizabeth Warren presses Mark Esper. That's how they played it, which is to be expected. This article, I, I put it in. I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to read the heading. And, and I, I, I'm going to do an op-ed at the very end of this show. Uh, the difference between the left and the right. And it's going to be scathing because of all the shit we're going to cover in our political section. It's just really, really frustrating, our country right now. But you will hear stories about um, sexual assault in the military. You'll hear stories about uh, 
any military member that actually commits a crime. You'll hear stories about drug use in the military and uh, only during Republicans, too many people on food stamps. But you don't hear stories like the Taliban drove his family out of Afghanistan when he was a child. Now he wants to go back as a Marine. Private Akila Asadi. You don't hear those stories. And those are the stories that show the difference between a immigrant, legal immigrant, who comes to our country and wants to participate in our democracy, defend our democracy, and people like Omar who just say our democracy is horrible, America sucks, Ali Akbar, I'm an Islamist. And we're going to have a lot of that today. Because we got a lot of Omar and AOC. And I look at these stories and go, why isn't it not out there? Now, surprisingly, it was on task and purpose, which is a very liberal rag that I don't use anymore. As state, I'm using military.com and the Army Times for our stories. But I, I just don't understand why that doesn't hit the paper. I don't understand why this doesn't hit the paper. VA abandoned more than 200,000 incomplete vets' health care applications. A whistleblower says they just let them go. They did nothing with them. And I, and I want you to understand... I was almost one of those. I just got a letter. We couldn't find your records. Go fuck yourself. If we don't hear from you in 30 days, we're shutting this off. And I had to jump through hoops, go get it myself, get a new counselor at VA because mine was the head guy and he sucked. And that's why my shit took seven and a half fucking months. And, of course, they didn't pay me for the half month. So that, that, there's guys all over the place that don't even know their packets, not even getting looked at. Uh, the system's broke. It should be more... Streamlined. It should be digital for fuck's sake. It's not. It's just a mess, man. Navy Corman bought 27 lottery tickets, won 26 times, and his lump sum is 424506 bucks after taxes. And I thought that was a fucking fantastic story. Michael Strong. Yeah. Good for fucking him. And in our light affair, which we will put on the very end, after our This is America, we're not going to change that order of things. Uh, we're going to have uh, Ranger Up, who did a stick on how the attack on uh, Area 51 is going to be like. <laughs> and then a Matt Best 11X uh, Army Ballads, which was really funny. I haven't seen those, and so it's been a while since I've gone to their YouTube channel. Uh, but this story was... On the side somewhere when I found those. USA's most secretive bases that are even more mysterious than Area 51. Area 6 in Nevada. I never heard of most of these. Top secret air base was spotted in Nevada desert on Google Earth in 2016. The site is roughly 12 miles northeast of 51. And is part of the Nevada National Security Site where 1,000 nuclear tests were carried out between 45 and 95. Six nuclear tests and four detonations have been completed at Area 6, according to the U.S. Department of Energy. Area 6, Nevada, USA. It's believed the site used to test military drones. Huh. Yeah. It has a 5,000-foot runway. It's believed to use federal agencies to carry out aircraft tests. They think the Reaper was made there, and the site was built in the 50s for 7.7 million pounds, because this article comes from Britain. You know, the funny thing is I have a whole bunch of articles about uh, alien crime, as in illegal aliens. They all come from Daily Mail. Our, our network, our news will not carry the, the wanton 
lack of respect for our laws that are being done by a majority of MS-13 gang member illegal aliens. See, I said that so you couldn't say that all Mexicans, like you guys are saying with Trump. Um, It doesn't come from our news. They don't cover it. Just like our government doesn't track it. It's just fucking horrible. Fort Meade. Fort Meade's in Maryland is the headquarters of a mysterious national surveillance agency. Tasked with surveillance of code breaking and operations are shrouded secretly. Unsurprisingly, Fort Meade has a 24-hour security and its windows are mirrored to block out snooping. Edward Snowden was there. Mm-hmm. Pine Gap, Australia. Pine Gap's top secret military camp compound located deep in the outback. Aye, with the blooming onion. Australia's Area 51, founded in 1970, the base was built at the height of the Cold War, with 400 American families flying to Australia to settle in nearby Alice Springs. We don't know too much about the base, but famed Edward Snowden WikiLeaks in 2013 lifted the lid on a little old Pine Gap. Supposed to be a surveillance base, satellite surveillance. Uh, Diego Garcia, an atoll in the center Indian Ocean. Indian Ocean, this tiny little atoll, has been a British Indian Ocean territory since 65. In the 70s, as 1,000 inhabitants were turfed out to make way for joint U.S.-U.K. military base. Rumors have long circulated of a U.S. prison camp on the tiny atoll. Washington says it doesn't exist, and I know they had a lot of chemical weapons. I actually uh, <clears throat> worked with a guy that was stationed there, so it was fucking horrible. You had a great mess hall. You had TV and stuff because they had satellites, but there was just nothing to do there. Dugway Proving Ground is our next site. That's actually where they do a desert phase of ranger school, at least they used to. Uh, it is a main biological and chemical weapons testing site for the U.S. Army. The top secret facility is sprawled around the Utah desert and develops new ways of working with deadly weapons. Workers in the facility handle some of the most dangerous biological and chemical agents on the planet. In 68, researchers working at the facility accidentally released the nerve gas VX in the air, killing thousands of sheep. Huh. An unnamed military base in Saudi Arabia. Another base unearthed by Google's satellite map. This unnamed base in Saudi Arabia is yet to be officially recognized by the U.S. government. The remote airstrip deep in the Saudi desert is more than likely a secretive base for predators and drones. Two former American intelligence officers told Danger Room that they thought the base was the drone center for the Mideast. Engine Maintenance Assembly and Disassembly Facility, Area 25. Yeah, that's in Nevada. It was once used to test the rocket engine used by nuclear bombs during the 20th century. It's not far from Area 51 and 6 and was strictly off limits to civilians for decades. The site was so secretive that when a MiG-25 jet crashed nearby during a test flight in 84, journalists were quietly shepherded away. Area 25 is now used for military exercises and training as well as tests on depletium depleted uranium leftover from earlier projects. So, There are your top secret sites, along with 51. Hopefully this article will not get in the hands of the kooks that want to attack Area 51 and find the aliens. We're going to go into our college crazy, and this is where we start the part with listener, listener participation. Got a lot of listener participation, if I could actually speak this morning. But we're going to start off with college students listening to a quote that they presume is done by Trump. But it's actually Obama.
I'm Kevin Phillips with Campus Reform. Today we're going to be asking students for their opinion on the policy of deporting people that are illegally here and have broken the law. We're going to be reading them a quote in support of that policy, but what they don't know is the quote is actually President Obama's from 2014. Will that change their opinion? Let's find out. Donald Trump announced this past week that he would be urging ICE and other administration authorities to seek out people living here illegally that have broken the law to deport them. So I have a quote for you here that's been making the rounds on social media about the deportation of criminal illegal aliens. We are a nation of laws. Undocumented workers broke our laws, and I believe they must be held accountable, especially those who may be dangerous. That's why over the past six years, deportations of criminals are up 80%, and we're going to keep focusing on threats to our security. Uh, what's your thought on that quote and that policy in general? Uh, I think that policy comes from a place of, like, white American nationalism. Donald Trump has kind of, like, embraced this rhetoric of, like, racism and xenophobia that is not beneficial to our country at all. I don't think that that quote really stands true. This administration has totally not done anything moral. This is really awful. Amnesty does not necessarily mean that we're losing border security. I think that Trump feels that way. I think that's a bad decision because, like, the United States should be open to, like, immigrants. Like, it's, uh, like, they call it lands with the free for a reason. We just have to advocate for those kinds of people. And people, like, in Congress, like Ocasio-Cortez, who is helping people um, overcome these kinds of things. Crimes do not nullify your humanity, and people are coming here in search of opportunity. I'm going to show you the person that said that quote. <laughs> is that surprising? Yeah, a little bit. Why is that surprising? Because I thought it was the Trump administration that said something like that. Yeah, it's quite surprising. I thought it was from Trump. I didn't expect it to be Obama either. Why did you not expect it to be Obama? Um, because... I just, I guess, I don't know. Like, it just never, it never occurred to me that it could be Obama. Is that surprising that it's a quote from President Obama? Yeah, that is surprising for sure, yeah. Do you think it's still a practice of white nationalism, though, to deport criminal legal aliens? I think the way Trump's doing it, it is. Okay. What, but uh, President Obama, to this to this point in Trump's presidency, Obama actually deported more people, though. So it's in practice, it was more from Obama, though. What's your question? I, I'd say I, my understanding of uh, Obama versus Trump is that just that Obama uh, was uh, more liberal as far as amnesty and border security. Uh, I expected that quote to come from Trump. Yeah. I mean, it just shows the hypocrisy in politics. So one person can say something five years ago and Next thing you know, it doesn't apply to them anymore and that they can now be the morality police for whoever is in charge now. Does that change your opinion of the practice to know that President Obama did the same thing? Actually, to this point in his presidency, he deported more people than President Trump had at this point. Um, no. Again, I just think that there's a moral way to do it. And I, I don't know a ton about Obama's um, deportation policies, but I imagine that they were a lot more humane than the ones currently going on. Oh, well, hello there. I'm Kappa Phillips with Campus Reform. Thanks so much for watching. If you want to join our team, we're always looking for new investigators, correspondents, and tipsters. Click right here to learn more about that. If you want to donate to help us make more videos like the one you just saw, click that button there. And if you want to be among the first person to see all of our new content, click that subscribe button right over there. Thanks so much. Hey, I, I, didn't, I didn't hear you click anything. Um, did they click one yet? You know what they say when you assume you make an ass out of you and an ass out of you. All right, our first article is brought to you by Sean in Oregon. This is my nephew, son of the great Matt in Oregon.
and I got this texted the other day, and it made my damn day. So thanks, Sean. The end of manspreading. University student fed up with men infringing on her public space wins National Design Award for creating a chair that restricts how they sit. Lilia Laurel, 23, a hateful, hateful bitch. That's not in the article, but I added it. Has created a chair which prevents men from manspreading. Manspreading is actually a word in the Oxford Dictionary, which really says a lot about us. Two bits of wood are positioned to the seat to prevent a user from taking up space. She graduated from the University of Brighton at the time of this article, a month later. The dictionary definition practice a man sitting on public transportation with his legs wide apart, taking up more space than he needs, and preventing other people from sitting down. Miss Laurel, who graduated in 3D design and craft from the University of Brighton later this month, has been com- commended for her innovative creation. She won an award for emerging talent and design industry called the Belmond Award, which calls for imaginative and cleverly presented ideas about stupid fucking needs. Okay, that wasn't in there either. Speaking about her inspiration, Miss Laurel said, It came from my own experience of men infringing on my public space. With my chair set, I hope to draw awareness to the act of sitting for men and women and inspire discussion around this. The student said she was shocked, happy and honored to win the award, and that she hates men and she's a fucking evil, evil Lebanazi. That's a lesbian Nazi. So, that is our first article. The first time... Brought to you by Sean in Oregon. I am really cool. I really think I think it's really cool. I'm really cool. That's not what I meant to say. I think it's really cool you listen to the podcast. So I hope it's enjoyable, Sean. And keep sending articles. I'll keep putting them in, just like with your pop. Colorado State is our next college article. And this one kind of got me a little angry. I I was so angry, I broke a sweat. Avoid using Americans... And America, SU's, CSU's online inclusive language guide compiled by the school's inclusive communication task force. Maybe you can have a task force for teaching people shit they need to know so they can do better work in the workforce, but we're not going to get there. Certain words and phrases to void while providing replacements in effort to help communicators practice inclusive language and help everyone on its campus feel welcomed, respected, and valued. Oh, really? The school's women and gender collective website directly links to the document. CSU lists both American and America as non-inclusive words to avoid due to the fact that America encompasses more than just the U.S. By referring to the U.S. as America, the guy claims that one erases other cultures and depicts the United States as a dominant American country. Well, isn't that fucking horrible? What happened to the melting pot, liberals? We used to melt into one. Now we're all separate entities, so you can fucking win the goddamn White House. More on that in my op-ed. The school suggests using U.S. citizen or person from the U.S. as a substitute. Person of the U.S. I am a person of the U.S. The university edition lists many gender words and phrases to avoid. This includes male, female, ladies, gentlemen, Mr., Miss, Ms., male and female refer to biological sex and not gender. What's the difference? In terms of communication methods, articles, social media, etc., we very rarely need to identify or know a person's biological sex and more often are referring to gender. Straight is another word to avoid. Shouldn't you straight? That line's... How do you do not straight? I don't even know. It's lined up. Is that better? I don't know. 
God explains that when used to describe heterosexuals, the term straight implies that anyone LGBT is crooked or not normal, which, by the way, is what they are. Normal person was also listed as afraid to avoid because it implies other people are not whole or regular. The guide offered no substitute word because it claimed that it never appropriate to use the phrase to describe someone to begin with. According to the list, the phrase handicapped parking should also not be used because it can minimize personhood. You fucking ableist. It's so sad I know what that is. And offend disabled people. The guy commends, recommends accessible parking as an alternative. War. Don't say war. Cakewalk. Get that shit out of there. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Eskimo. Freshman. Hip, hip, hooray. Hold down the fort. Starving. Policeman. Or other words that you're not supposed to do. And I want to go there and just take a dump on somebody's desk. Yeah. You fucking people. Then we did a study that you and I probably paid for. LGBT Asian Americans seen as more American than those who are straight. This is from the University of Washington, which has a husky as its mascot. And I'm thinking, maybe you should get rid of that. Maybe PETA needs to work on that because I fucking hate the puskies. The puskies. Yeah, that, that works. The huskies. They found that students believe Asian Americans identify as LGBTQ are more American than those who do not. The recent findings published 27th of June in Social, Psychological, and Personality Science. That's a magazine that I just think is a scorcher. Were collected for multiple studies that involved four randomly assigned groups of participants. Each participant was asked to answer questions regarding the different profiles of imaginary people. In the first study, students were assigned a brief description of a person named John, either labeled as an Asian American man, which you can't say that, you have to say Asian person from America, or gay Asian American man, gay Asian American. What do we use for man now? I don't remember what we use for man. Person. There we go. With a 1 through 7 scale. See, do you see how this school's not doing the right thing that the other schools... Have? Maybe they need to get together and have a meeting. I think they really need to get together and have a meeting on all these words we're not supposed to use. Anyway, by the end of the study, they found that people thought they were more American. And it's probably because they were talking to all liberals who don't recognize heterosexuals as people. Because they're bigots. University Hospital investigates hate crime because they found a noose. That wasn't a noose. Story ends. There it is. You fucking suck. U.S. women's soccer team backup goalie attacks Jalene Hinkle. You're intolerant and homophobic. Woohoo! After accusations rose against the U.S. women's soccer team that the team had snubbed openly Christian and star player Jana Hinkle because of her faith, the backup goaltender for the team, Ashlyn Harris, ripped into Hinkle saying the problem is Hinkle's intolerance and that Hinkle is homophobic. Harris' comments were prompted not by Hinkle, who has not commented on the uproar, but by Catholic advocate and staunch pro-life champion Obaju Ekoche who tweeted on Sunday, Jaina Hinkle is a 26-year-old American footballer who gave up the opportunity to be in the U.S. women's national team. I was very curious to know what happened, so I went in a search of her interview with CBN. Apparently, the U.S. women's football team is not a very welcoming place for Christians. Harris, apparently furious, attacked Hinkle, who had not provoked the situation. Started by hurling slurs, Hinkle, our team is about inclusion. Your religion was never the problem. The problem is your intolerance and you're homophobic. You don't belong in a sport that aims to unite and bring people together. You would never fit into our pack or what this team stands for. Then Harris seemed conflated. Ecoche's statement with Hinkle's perspective writing, Don't you dare say our team is not a welcoming place for Christian. 
you weren't around long enough to know what this team stood for. This is actually an insult to the Christians on our team. Same on you. And basically what we found out is that the women's national team is just fucking horrible people. So we already knew that. Then getting back into wordsmithing. Kind of had these out of order. Order Probably should have kept it before the U.S. national team. Gendered language like manhole will soon be banned in Berkeley city codes. Yes, we have homelessness. We have shit piling up everywhere. We have garbage. That's not important in California. Manholes. What the fuck? Soon there'll be no more manholes in the city of Berkeley. There will only be... There will also be no chairman, no manpower, no policemen or police women. No, that doesn't mean all city will be without a committee leader and law enforcement. It means that words that imply a gender preference will be removed from the city's code and replaced with gender-neutral terms. City voted Tuesday night to replace gender terms in its municipal codes like manhole, manpower, maintenance, maintenance hole, and human effort. The item passed without discussion or comments. It was not controversial, said Berkeley City Council member Riggle Robinson, the bill's primary author. There's power in language. This is a small move, but it matters. The revised city document also replaced instances of gender pronouns, such as he, she, they, will be the use of everybody. They. Berkeley's municipal code currently contains mostly masculine pronouns, and the office of city manager sent a letter to the mayor and city council. Having a male-centric municipal code is inaccurate and not reflective of our reality. Well, that's because you're not in the real world. You're in your own little reality. This is like an episode of Quantum Leap. You all leap into stupid and come up with new words. That we should not be saying. And moving on to more crazy, every fucking podcast, I have some Hollywood movie show that we have to gay. I call it the gayification of TV. And here's another one. Now people are speculating of Will Byers on Stranger Thing will come out as gay. I'm sure since it's Netflix, this little kid, in theory, who whose balls have not descended on the show, will be gayer than gay in season four. Here comes some racist shit coming right at you, and it's not the way you think it is. Danielle, a white chick. It seems like most of the crazy race stuff literally comes from white people with white guilt. They're guilty, they feel horrible because they're white and they read a book about history. Unpopular opinion, white people love dogs so much, but because deep down they miss owning slaves. They love the owner and master dynamic, desperate for something to control. Follow up tweet, well that context was totally wrong. I'm sorry I wrote this, because you are never too woke, because the African Americans attacked her for saying, are you saying we're dogs? See, why virtue signal, man? I don't understand. You're never going to win. If you virtue signal, you're going to get singled out because there's there's so many avenues of intersectionality stupid, you can never be right because it's a moving target. Bree Newsom comes up with her next one. She's a whitey too. Since at least the 50s, communist has become a popular code word for N-I-G-G-E-R. Let's be real. 
So you're now saying the N-word if you call somebody a communist, even when they're white. Okay. But Politico brings us into the uber-stupid, and remember, this is supposed to be a political newspaper, bringing you deep stuff into the halls of Congress. Tipping has a racist past, so raise the minimum wage. (laughs) No! You know, there are plenty of Econ 101 students who could tell you that raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour is a bad thing for the U.S. economy. Plenty of waiters and busboys, too. So the counter-argument was to get away from the facts of the issue and offer something a little more emotionally charged, like the racist history of tipping in order to push for higher wages in the service industry. Everyone knows that even a whiz kid econ student is weak-minded against the assault of the woke social justice scolds. Politico magazine argued for a minimum wage of $15 by asserting that the alternative in this case, tipping, is something with a deeply racist past. Oh, wonderful. On Wednesday, July 17th, Dr. William J. Barber II wrote, This week, the House of Representatives will have a chance to end the pernicious legacy of slavery. Lawmakers will vote on the Raise the Wage Act, which would boost the minimum wage across country to $15 an hour by 2024. Let's stop for a second. Are you implying that all people of color only earn the minimum wage? Isn't that racist itself? I mean, I worked with a whole bunch of people that were people of color, and they made more money than I did. What the fuck? Barbara wrote, you might not think of tipping as a legacy of slavery, but it has a far more radicalized history that most Americans don't realize. Tipping originated in feudal Europe and was imported back to the States by American travelers eager to, eager to seem sophisticated. The practice spread throughout this country, and after the Civil War, as a U.S. employer largely in the hospitality sector looked for ways to avoid paying formerly enslaved workers, Barber cited several examples of cruel white employers who refused dignity of their newly freedom African-American employees by forcing them to accept tips rather than pay them a real wage. Any of you readers who have ever tipped or dined in a restaurant, flog yourselves now. You're guilty of reinforcing slavery's bitter memory as much as Thomas Jefferson's birthday party. And he's right. Mm-hmm. It's fucking insane. People's reply to this stupid thing is it was a tweet, a tweet. I'll stop tipping this weekend and point my server to your article. God knows I don't want to be racist. I got to use it against some girl who said... Every time, every time a mega person tips me, I give it to Bernie. And what I said to her was, you are now a racist. And being that we're going to be a socialist country under Bernie, you're going to go to a education camp, camp just like those mega people. So you might want to save that money to pay off somebody from the Politburo. I'm just saying. Miriam Williamson, a long shot that has got less than 1% running for president, Asked white people to apologize to black people for slavery. This is what she said. She then instructed a white person to hold the hand of a black person standing. Williamson then told the white person to repeat after her. She began with, I apologize. Her focus was on racism and politics, claiming that until the United States addresses slavery, honestly, gets deep about it, enduring impact on African Americans to make amends, we will continue the cycle of hate and racism in the country. We continue the cycle of hate and racism because that's what you guys stir up with everything, including tipping, okay? Well, we could have all white people give up all their possessions 
and become slaves themselves. The country is run by people of color only. Gay people of color only can be the president or trannies, whatever. And you would still run articles in Politico, New York Times, WAPO, that America is still racist. Those white slaves have attitudes. Thus, they're racist. It's not because they're getting treated like slaves. It's because they're racist. That, that, that's how far we could go. You'd still pick it up. But, having gone through that, you think, well, that's just some crazy shit, Tony. We couldn't be any more crazier. Oh, hold your fucking beer. New York City Mayor Office. New York City, there are only four things that should go in your toilet. Poop, pee, puke, toilet paper. Don't use wipes. And I thought, okay, now you're telling me how to wipe my ass. But it's a whole thing. The National Resource Defense Council beef is with pillowy soft toilet paper. America's heavy use of toilet paper, particularly pillowy soft kind like Charmin, is worsening climate change and taking a dramatic and irreversible toll on forests, especially the Canadian boreal forests. Everybody said the same thing I did. Now you want to tell me how to wipe my ass? So I researched to the article. I hope you're sitting. At least stabilize yourself because the stupid's going to fall on you like a goddamn tidal wave. The fluffy toilet paper you're buying is helping kill Canadian ancient forest, study says. Few places in the country are more conscientious about sustainability and protecting the environment than the Bay Area. We recycle plastic, glass, paper, cans religiously. You can't use a fucking straw here. They didn't say that, but I did. Bring tote bags to the supermarket. Install low-flush toilets and water-saving shower nozzles. Compost food scraps and milk cartons. But like everyone else, we also love a good deal. So for bulk products at a discount, many of us turn to Casco, a big box favorite that lives up to its mission statement to provide its members with the quality goods and services at the lowest possible prices. Unfortunately, one of Costco's biggest seller, toilet paper, ooh, evil, is contributing to the destruction of Canada's, Canada's great boreal forest, according to a recent study. The report by the National Resource Defense Council and stand... Earth gave Costco in-house brand Kirkland toilet paper, which sells in hay bale-sized packs of dozens of rolls, an F in sustainability. Costco was not alone, however. Georgia Pacific, Angel Soft, and Quilted Northern Brands, Procter & Gamble's Charmin, and Target's Generic Up & Up Soft & Strong all received failing grades. Toilet paper is a daily necessity, but most of us never give a thought to where it comes from. The manufacturer, bathroom tissue, particularly the soft, fluffy, Kind marketed for American bottoms is one of the most environmentally destructive processes on the planet. I thought eating a burger was the worst thing. You fucking people have a meaning. Come down with one avenue. Now it's burgers and toilets. Well, technically I could say I ate the burger so then I'd take a hairy dump and that maybe it is still the burger. Future generations are going to look at the way we make toilet paper as one of the greatest excesses of our age, says scientist Alan Hershowick. I almost made it serious the whole way. I can't do it. Making toilet paper from virgin wood, virgin wood, really, 
is like driving a Hummer in terms of global warming pollution. The Boyle Forest is a vast landscape of aspen, evergreen, and birch trees covering more than half of Canada. But since 1996, 22 million acres of area roughly the size of Indiana have been cut down to wipe your ass. They didn't say that, but I threw it in there. With the exception of China, no country uses more tissue paper than the United States, despite the latter having only about 4% of the world's population. An analysis by Justin Thomas, editor of the Deficient Living Guide, Metaficient.com, found that Americans use 36.5 billion rolls of shit paper each year, which according to the paper industry marketing analyst for RISI, equates to 57 sheets per person each day. Maybe my wife does that, I don't. I'm not going to keep reading it. Fuck it. Let's just get to the grades. So from now on, you need to grade your shit paper. Here are the NRDC stand earth grades for toilet brands. Number one. That gets an A grade is Green Forest. 365 everyday value, 100% recycled earth first. Natural value, seventh generation, and Trader Joe's bath tissue. This is bath tissue that is less than one ply and has splinters in it. Get on that, you get that on your ass, man. Get all up in that shit. You might as well take fucking 200 grit sandpaper and wipe your butthole. A B, Markel 1000, Markel Step, Small Steps. Note, Markel is a suspended manufacturer of its at home products due to January fire at the plant, so you can't find that shit. A D. Three, six, see, that's the thing I don't understand about it. We went from A to B. There was no fucking C. D, 365 Everyday Value, Sustainability Soft, Cottonelle Ultra, Scott 1000, which I bought once at the commissary. It literally gave me an ass rash. I'm just throwing it out there. That shit was literally fucking caustic to my butthole. I know you don't care about my butthole, but I'm just saying. It wasn't good. And then the F brands are Charmin Ultra Soft, Kirkland, Angel Soft, Quilted Northern, Up and Up, and Soft and Strong. After reading this article, I took my wife to physical therapy. I went shopping, and I bought the extra, extra fluffy Charmin. I wrapped my arm in it, and I wiped my ass. Go fuck yourself. You can't tell me what to say, how to think, what to believe. And how to wipe my ass. It's a bridge too fucking far. I will wipe my ash ass with 6,000 count Egyptian cotton pillowcases if I want to. Of course, I won't keep the pillowcase. I'll throw it out afterwards. I won't flush it. Because I already bought one of those new... I had to get a whole new tank thing because my toilet broke. And it like flushes with a... A quart of water. So for heavy duty dumps, it's not it's not good, man. I'm just throwing it out there. And I can't even adjust the thing. It's made all eco-friendly. But we weren't only telling people how to wipe their ass. We decided to take a gigantic ass dump on top of Prime Day. CNN hits Amazon online shoppers with eco guilt trip on Prime Day. Just as online retailer Amazon hoped to entice millions of its Prime members to spend on Prime Day, CNN launched an attack on fast free shipping for not being environmentally friendly. Senior economics writer Lydia DePellis complained on July 15th the fast shipping like Amazon's new Prime free one day option has a hidden cost to the environment. America's addiction to absurdly fast shipping for pushing retailers to do a careful dance to minimize environmental impact without 
turning off potential buyers. She blamed Amazon for pushing its competitors, including Walmart and Target, to provide faster delivery options. In theory, e-commerce can be greener than a bunch of shoppers making personal trips in their own car, DePillis wrote. However, she fretted that the calculus changes significantly with one-day shipping since there are now fewer opportunities for lumping deliveries together. CNN quoted multiple sustainability experts in their complaints before including a rebuttal from Amazon. The company, who practices it, was condemning. DePillis quoted UPS Director of Global Sustainability, Patrick Brown, who said delivery time has a direct relationship to the environmental impact. The average consumer doesn't understand the impact of having something tomorrow versus two days from now. She also quoted co-director of UC Davis Sustainability Freight Research Center, Miguel Joller. Eventually, CNN got around to including Amazon perspective. Because of its scale, Amazon denies that it's speeding up the environment's at the environment's expense. Here's the reality, boys and girls. Amazon does so many fucking transactions a day. It's not like they're taking my bottle of profit beard cream, which I use because just like George Clooney in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I'm a Dapper Dan man. Anybody seen the movie? You got the joke. I use that shit to sculpt my beard. It's a little object the size of maybe like a bottle of Vicks. You know what I'm talking about. Or mentholatum. They didn't put that on an airplane. Crank it up, Jim, and fly at FedEx to my fucking house empty. Just that. My one package. That plane's taken off re-fucking-guardless if I one day shop or I don't. I mean, you are the smartest dumb people I've ever met in my life. That fucking plane is full of fucking shit. It's going somewhere. My one package gets on before it takes off. It only means they push it to the front of the line. And it goes out the door in gigantic fucking flatbeds or fucking uh, trailers full of a bunch of other motherfucker shit that's going to the fucking airport to get flown on a plane that's already fucking flying and going to wherever the fuck it's going. You're fucking simpletons. Go fuck yourself! (laughs) Okay, a little over the top. Honestly, our next story brings us up. We had no idea that children and drag queens and child drag queens are going to be a thing when we first wrote about it in Good Morning America, the article says. Well, we already know about that. Pink News is now upset. Just a reminder that Republican lawmakers want to make child drag shows illegal. Lawmakers in Ohio filed a bill that would clamp down on drag performances by minors as child exploitation. Ohio Representative Tim Schaefer has proposed a bill in the state legislature seeking to clamp down on performances by child under the 18 years of age or mentally or physically handicapped child under 21 years of age because we've already covered the Down Syndrome drag kid. He's living his fucking reality, as they say, or living his truth. But he doesn't know what his truth is because he has the fucking mental equivalent of a fucking tack. In response to a performance... By a nine-year-old drag queen, offenders could face up to six months in prison and $1,000 fine, while violations of the law could lead to venues being stripped of their liquor license. If that's your cause, go to fucking hell. It should be banned. It is child exploitation. It's fucking evil. And the parents that are doing it should lose their fucking kids. Simple as that. I, I, I know I can't stop the stupid, which is... Like our next tweet from Eugene Jew, MD. 
with your gender tranny bullshit. But let's break it down. Those kids should not be performing in front of gay men in New York City shoving dollar bills in their pants. Not their pants. Uh, kids' pants. Gene Yu starts us on our more stupid. It's scientific and medical fact that men can get pregnant and also have abortions. Trans men and non-binary individuals are human beings who deserve to be acknowledged by society. They choose their own identity, not me, not you, not any doctor, and certainly not any politician. It's called biology, biology. Men have penis, women's got vag. What the fuck's wrong with you? Jesus Christ! Ubede Ekache, in the world where medical science bows down and worships the god and goddess of political ideology. A doctor says this. Another one. In consulting a list of doctors, I would solicit this for medical advice before Eugene GMD. Rosen Rosen, Hunter S. Thompson, Mabuse, Hugo Z. Hackenbersch, and Zaus. And those are all characters of crazy people. 2019 Emmy nomination, left-wing Trump-hating propaganda scores big. The nominees are all the late shows, pretty much. Every negative show that was out there, it got put up. Because, of course, you know, it's all about hating Trump. To our crazy crime, that alligator in Chicago, Humboldt Park, was finally captured, which is really cool, because that's a neat story, and that's a long swim for that guy. Community pool closed because somebody kept dumping a Butterfinger into the fucking pool. Yeah, they took a shit. The Buckingham Recreational Facility Association has a public service announcement for its visitors. Stop shitting in the pool. And it was posted Friday afternoon, the association president said the community pool had to be closed because someone has been defecating in the pool. And yes, they believe it's on purpose. Due to the frequency over the past week, we believe this is intentional. So, they even said later on, serial pooping problem has plagued Michigan community in the past. In 2014, Yipsani Police Department, uh, yeah, Yipsani Police Department made contact with an individual who had been pooping in public park. <laughs> Slides. <laughs> I gotta say, if you could drop a deuce on a slide, that's pretty skillful, dude. I'd be sliding in my own shit. There's no way I could pull that shit off. People are overdosing on synthetic meth. Meth. Well, that seems common, right? That's just something you see all the time, especially on Five Guys. Oh, no, 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 boys and girls. They're using wasp spray. No shit. West Virginia police say that people are now turning to wasp spray to give them a meth-like high. State police told WRGB that wasp spray is being used as an alternative to methamphetamine in Boone County. Officials believe the spray played a role in three overdoses last week, and officials say the physical impacts of spray are erratic behavior and extreme swelling and redness of the hands and feet. (laughs) In my opinion, drugs are so bad around here, it's so available to people, and then all the time trying new things to get higher. There were 30 cans of spray are being sold out at a time, and people are snorting it. What the fuck, man? Drink a bottle of whiskey, man. Just the wasp spray. Five guys arrested after fist fighting at Five Guys. I'm not going to read the story. I just had to say that because that's pretty fucking funny. Which brings us to our next. 
listener submissions. Big Sis in Colorado. After my last podcast, and I said, you know, all we ever get is Southern stories. And the stories are always negative, and it's like Florida guy, or person in Tennessee fucks their dog, or whatever. My last show had just stories about everywhere else. Well, the moment she got done hearing that, she finds a shitload of weird-ass stories about the South, and here they go. Meth gators. (laughs) Tennessee police warn people of flushing drugs down their toilet could create hyper-aggressive alligators. Folks, please don't flush your drugs, okay? The Loretto Police Department wrote in a Facebook post, Police Department Loretto, Tennessee, is asking residents to refrain from flushing drugs such as meth down the toilet to prevent meth gators. In a Facebook post, the Loretto Police Department wrote that on Saturday, officers executed a search warrant on a home and discovered that the occupants trying to flush meth and drug paraphernalia down its toilet. Police in Tennessee are asking residents not to flush drugs such as meth down the toilet to prevent meth gators. Although the suspect was unsuccessful, the officers used the incident to remind folks of the harm drugs can cause to the environment. Folks, please don't flush your drugs. Our sewer guy take pride in releasing water that is cleaner than that in the creek, but they are not really prepared for meth. Ducks, geese, and other fowl frequently frequent our treatment ponds, and we shudder to think what would happen if they got meth the fuck up. There was actually uh, the meth squirrel that they showed, which I thought was pretty freaking funny, um, as their example of why you should not do this. But I, I never thought of meth gators. That would probably be bad, a meth gator. Her next story, Kentucky man finds family of bears sitting in his car and the picture is fucking priceless. They're literally in the car, one's on the outside just looking at him like, what? We're just going to take it for a spin. Next story she sent, Florida man tied up wife's lover, cut off penis, deputy say. This is a bad day for somebody. Alex Bonilla, 49, arrested in Gilchurst County. A Florida man held his wife's lover at gunpoint and cut off his penis for fleeing with a flailing appendage, deputy said. Why did he keep it? Bonilla, 49, was arrested hours later on several charges, including aggravated assault. I would call it aggravated assault. The Gilchrist County Sheriff's Office released a statement Tuesday that said Bonilla broke into his neighbor's home Sunday, tied the neighbor up, and mutilated, mutilated his genitals with scissors. Oh, my God. That's fucking horrible. Thanks, big sis. Great stories. But they're always there, man. I'm right. There's just always some crazy southern shit. <clears throat> this one's kind of sad. Murderer released after being deemed too old to kill again. And then he killed a wife and her kid. As my wife said when we read this story, uh, you're never too old to kill. It took a main jury one hour to redo it. He killed Kimberly Doyle and her twin sons. I'm sorry, so he killed three people. Man watching porn moments before fatal crash in Rogers, Minnesota. This is fucking horrible. Semi-driver was shaking hands with the sheriff, and he killed people. They always look kind of shady, man. To the no-brainers, teens who spend more time on social media have increased depression, study says. 
Students, uh, teen suicidal rates are at their highest since 2000. A new study released Monday says too much time on social media could be contributing. A study published in the Journal of JAMA Pediatric found that teens who spend too much time on social media or watching television become notably more depressed. The six-year study tracked over 3,800 students, students or students in Montreal, and they all showed signs of sadness. So. And our last story, because our lighter fare today will be on this subject. Apollo 11 moon landing, NASA reveals stunning new photos for lunar surface to celebrate mission's 50th anniversary. Some of the stuff coming out, some of the audio they found, and uh, an article I read the other day about um, the moon landing stuff, we didn't know about it. Pretty interesting stuff. But as you could tell by me putting it in the This Is America, yeah, the media took a dump on the 50th anniversary, because that's, that's what they do. So, let's go into a music break. We're going to do some more Allison Krauss and Union Station. And on the other side, we're going to come into news, social, media nuggets.
Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. have to stop perpetuating this false narrative that he was elected because of economic woes, because the white working class thought he would save them. That's not true, and the data shows that. There's a study by UCLA, UC Irvine, and Princeton that shows the number one reason that people switched from Democrat to Republican uh, to vote for Obama and then vote for Trump was because they all held hostile views on race. When we looked at his rallies in 2015 and 16, and when you heard the rhetoric, the racist rhetoric coming from people uh, in the rallies, the, the signs that they uh, held up, the sound bites they gave, it was all very consistent with what this president said. So it's not new. It's not a new strategy. This is very consistent. I take David's point that, um, you know, we'll have to see if this crowd is dwarfed because even though they don't represent the majority of the country, yeah. they do over-index at the ballot box. Yeah, but let me push back on that a little bit, Allison, because when, so a lot of people, I think, hold that safe view. You know, they, they uh, you know, feel like they're not like those other people. They're not like racists. But when you are backing a candidate who has has made his entire campaign about white identity politics, about how white people are getting the short end of the stick, and he has backed that up with racist rhetoric, racist policies, racist action, and this is the camp you're in, then you do identify with some level of racism. You do fall in the category of white supremacy. You cannot back a racist and then say, no, but I don't. I only support X, Y, and Z, but I don't support his racism. That is not the way that the rest of the country can uh, perceive those kind of uh, racist attacks and and things that promote and perpetuate white supremacy in this country into the trump presidency it is a classic model of corrupt governance the capo on the top and the many many bosses below who are given control of their domain to do as they wish because trump doesn't care at all about epa policy or labor or iran really or anything really other than making money which the presidency allows him to do with public dollars and being the center of attention which same but the base what does the base get the folks in that arena, well, it's obvious, isn't it? They get to chant. They get to revel in their own Americanness and primacy at the expense of others. They may not get much more than that. But Trump and now the entire Republican Party and most of the conservative movement realize that that is enough for them. They realize that no one actually cared about deficits or small government. That was never the fuel that fired the engine of Republican politics. It was always roiling rage against them that was on full display in the center back chance last night. Without that rage and that passion, that enthusiasm and fire in that room, this entire project falls apart. That sentiment at the core of the coalition cannot be pried loose and it cannot be negotiated with and it cannot be appeased. It must be peacefully, nonviolently, politically destroyed with love, compassion, and determination, but utterly confronted and destroyed. That is the only way to break the coalition apart. Not by prying off this or that interest. They are in too deep. They have shamed themselves too much. 
The heart of the thing must be ripped out. The darkness must be banished. The people who feel moral revulsion at that display we saw last night must collectively mobilize in greater numbers than the chanters. The right often tells you racism isn't a real problem in this country. But Trump is right. A lot of people agree with him that these types of people should go. Why? Because racism is a problem. We have struggled mightily to make this experiment in democracy and diversity work. Unity is fragile. Hate comes too easy to too many. And fomenting that hate should be the farthest thing from a real president's mind. But not this one. Now, while his policies reflect mostly traditional GOP moves, cut taxes for the wealthy, go easy on business, his politics are the ugly stylings of a demagogue. And we're seeing it all over Europe. We just hoped... It wouldn't infect us here, but it has. He says he has to get the word out. Be clear what his word is. Trump says he wants to make America great again. But what he means is make America hate again. Any Republican that hides from this reality or sells it as something else is complicit. This is not right versus left. It is right versus wrong. Do the Democrats get that? Their struggles with half measures on oversight, playing at policy extremes, those things don't give a clear signal that they do. Be clear, all of you, my brothers and sisters, this is a battle for the soul of the country. Now you know what this election is going to be about if this president has anything to say about it. Forget the spin from the righties seeking cover. Here is what Trump said. So interesting to see progressive Democrat congresswomen who originally came from countries whose governments are a complete and total catastrophe, the worst, most corrupt and inept anywhere in the world, if they even have a functioning government at all, now loudly and viciously telling the people of the United States, the greatest and most powerful nation on earth, how our government is to be run. Why don't they go back and help fix the totally broken and crime infested places from which They came. His message was not going back to their district or hometown. He said country, and he explained his implication. He knew only one of the lawmakers was a naturalized citizen from somewhere else, but he lumped them together on purpose because he is a demagogue. And he is selling noisy brown women making trouble and trying to change what this place is about. Go back. And his base heard the us versus them play as he intended it, and too many on the right accept it no matter how low he goes. And here is the proof. You hear the rallying cry, send her back. Notice the president who says he didn't mean that didn't correct them. Look, this cold civil war predates Donald Trump, and Donald Trump understood that we're in a cold civil war in this country, and he has exploited it and brought this cold civil war almost to the point of ignition through his actions 
and his words, which are unprecedented in terms of presidential conduct, no president in the history of the United States in 246 years has expressed the kinds of ideas and thoughts and undemocratic notions and authoritarian notions that he has. We need to start connecting these dots. What do people in the country think of this and why do they think and support him uh, no matter what he does, no matter how outrageous seemingly his conduct is? We've got some real reporting to do uh, that, that we need to make our table bigger in terms of our repertorial landscape and get out of the political. Congressman, thank you for being back on the show. You're welcome. I want to pick up right where this conversation has left off and your reaction to what you heard at that rally in North Carolina from President Trump overnight. It was more reminiscent of, of Germany during the beginnings of the Hitler regime people yelling send her back that's that was un-american i fear for the congressman's safety i fear for the safety of other congress people hers in particular the other three ladies and the atmosphere that trump is creating is dangerous to american citizens and that's abhorrent congressman there are those who will say that your rhetoric just now in evoking the specter of hitler for example means that you are just as responsible for the heated rhetoric as anybody else it's just what it, it just what it is. That's where we saw crowds get behind a, a xenophobic, nationalistic leader who took a minority and made them scapegoats, used them as a foil for his political rise to do some of the most awful things that have ever happened in this world. I had relatives that were killed in the Holocaust. I don't like it being used. I see the same tactics being used. And to bring those tactics up and to remind people where America could be going is important. That's a lot of hate. Carl Bernstein on MSDNC. We need to probe why people support Trump. Isn't that kind of fascist? Chris Hayes, we need to confront and destroy Trump supporters. Is that fascist? Trump supporters are all white supremacists. Cuomo, make America great is make America hate. Cuomo Lemon, mocking Trump silence. And Steve Cohen, and the ever-present Hitler reference. But it doesn't stop there. Senator Mazi Hirano. Trump and his ultra-right-wing base have a symbiotic relationship. They feed his narcissism and he feeds their hatred of others. A match made in totalitarian heaven. The problem is, you're the fascists. You people are. When you automatically say people who don't agree with you are evil. That's the key thing of fascism, folks. Your opposition must be destroyed. David Atkins, a California Democratic Party member. You know who's not grateful enough? Rural white Americans. They're heavily subsidized, drowning in federal largesse, blessed with political affirmation action and overrepresentation, have all their bills paid by cities and blue states, but they whine and yell constantly. People who watch the constant grating whine fest that is Fox News have a lot of gall telling anyone to love it or leave it. The Fox News cult hates the values of vast majority of Americans who aren't rural white evangelicals and want nothing to do with them. Don't get me wrong, I'm all about reaching out and showing rural white America that it's plutocrats that are hurting them, not people of color. And this goes on for like 30 tweets of you people who don't live in a major city are pieces of shit. Salon. 
Republicans will never say that racism is racism because they're racist. Adrienne LaFrance, a retired nurse from North Carolina, said this to Peter R. Atlantic. And I think it may be the perfect quote to understand Trump's base. Everything he says is how I feel. Imagine that's your nurse and you're not a white person. B-Boy DeBose. He is a columnist, columnist for the New York Times. I still think folks are underestimating the danger of this outcome and the real threat it poses to American democracy. David Wasserman did an article, my latest, how Trump could lose by 5 million votes and still win re-election because of the Electoral College. So this New York Times columnist, my case for Electoral College reform really boils down to the fact that it's simply not sustainable to have these wide splits between the popular vote and the Electoral College. Even if you buy the folks' civic explanation that the Electoral College is meant to give rural and less populated states greater or equal say over presidential elections outcomes, there is a point where the divergence becomes extreme and anti-republic. Matt O'Brien from WAPO, Ezra Klein from WAPO, similar tweets. Sarah Rao, a journalist, being a brown or black person, I'm sorry, a failed Democratic candidate, being a brown or black person in this country is terrifying. So many friends don't want to leave their homes, are scared to let their kids out of their sight, don't trust their colleagues, their neighbors, their friends. This level of fear will kill you, and that's the point. Black people. This is entirely true. I was terrified yesterday when I went to my neighborhood Publix and they were out of butter pecan. Another one. The horror. I'm black. I feel perfectly safe. It's great living without a victimhood mentality. Read Jerry Epstein. This was the candidates running for president. I'm building to a point in a second, folks. Inslee. Inslee campaign asked... If the national anthem will be sung. That's that's who they are. That's who they are. Need more proof? Google sells anti-riot fuck cops merchandise. These pictures are fucking horrible. Kill Trump is sold on Google. Chris Pot Pratt on the t-shirts. Criticized because he wore a Gadsden flag shirt. Google sells Soviet, communist, and anti-Semitic flags, but not Trump flags. Need more more proof? Here it comes. Kate Winslet has spoken of her relief at discovering her ancestors weren't peasants. Were peasants? Excuse me. She she had relief at discovering her ancestors were peasants. She would have been disgusted. To have come from wealth, yet she's a wealthy person now. Emma O'Connor, two sources told us that when also refused to use trans-inclusive language, for example saying people instead of women, telling staff that she believed talking about transgender issues would isolate people in the Midwest. They fired they literally fired the director of the Planned Parenthood because she is a doctor and didn't acknowledge 
the trans abortion. She believed in biology. This week, 332 to 95 to 1, Trump will not be impeached. Articles of impeachment for nothing. Think progress. Call in the Trump heat. Call it the Trump heat wave. The current scorcher is just a taste of what's coming. They blame Trump for the weather. CNN. In the nine months beginning with November 2016, about 3.2% to 3.6 more preterm births to Latina women occurred above the levels of preterm births that would have been expected had the election not occurred, study says. Continuing on my thesis to get to the point, Bernie Sanders says his campaign will limit the hour staff workers so they are paid the equivalent of 15 an hour. I'm very proud to be the first presidential candidate to recognize a union and negotiate a union contract. They went to the press because they were only making $13 an hour. Here's the key guy pushing the theory of $15 an hour, and he wasn't even paying his own people $15 an hour. You will, they won't. Then this soundbite. A media organization bringing in conservative women to shame them for supporting Trump. Next year, voters are, of course, going to have their say. So we were curious whether the president's base was still behind him, particularly his female supporters. Did any object to his racist attack on the four female lawmakers? Or is it all just politics, as Mike said earlier? 360's Randy Kay spoke with some of them in Dallas. How many of you, how many of you don't think what the president said was racist? Raise your hand. These eight Republican women from Dallas don't see anything wrong with President Trump telling four Democratic congresswomen to go back where they came from. He was saying that if they hate America so much because what we're seeing out of them and hearing out of them, they hate America. If it's so bad, there's a lot of places they can go. I'm a brown-skinned woman. I am a legal immigrant. I agree with him. You don't think that's racist to say no, that? Not at all. No. Actually, I think it's just no. It's a demonstration of how their ideology spills over. Even though they're American now, so to speak, they're not acting American. I'm glad that the president said what he said because all they're they're doing is. It, they're, they're, it's, they're inciting hatred and division, and that's not what our country's about. We, it, it's, it's not about that at all. And but I don't. Isn't that what the president does with some about. of his own comments, his own racist comments? But he didn't say anything about color. We know the president is not racist. He, he loves people from, you know, Hispanics, the black people, all across the board. Let me just share with you the definition of racism from Merriam-Webster mm-hmm. Dictionary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A belief that race is the primary determinant of human traits and capacities and that racial differences produce an inherent superiority mm-hmm. of a particular race. Based on that definition, do you not think what the president has been saying no. to these No, no. He, he dated a black woman for two years. <laughs> two of his wives are immigrants. He is not a xenophobic racist. The first black billionaire is endorsing President Trump. Yeah. How can you call him racist? So these congressmen, these congressmen who said they ran for Congress, ran for office because they explicitly love this country, you're saying 
that's a lie. So yes. they say. Yeah. You that's you're saying they hate this country. Yes. Do you ever wrote these questions up? It's clearly that they're very manipulative to yep. accuse as a, in, in, instead of extracting the truth. It's a tactic. Because when you it say, is. you know, don't you think he's racist? You're accusing us. You're accusing him. I'm asking. I'm not accusing. <clears throat> I'm asking you what but you, you think. But you can tell. We, okay. It's irrelevant. It has nothing to do with the real issue. It has nothing to do with the premise of the issues here. Exactly. Nothing. And whatever it's someone... Can, the color of the floor. Why do you keep bringing it up? Do you think it's just a coincidence that yes. these four congresswomen that the president is going after, none of them are white? These yes, four are they're going after him. Exactly. I don't think it matters. Yeah. It's idiotic well, it what they're saying. It, so it doesn't matter whether they're white, man, woman, brown, yellow, anything. I okay. wish that there Let was me. a white one that they, they um, why are they not racist? How come they haven't befriended one of their white female congresswoman colleagues and Correct. let her join Because they won't. That's a good point. They right. don't like white people. Come on. They're racist. Yeah. How many of you still plan to vote for President Trump? Absolutely. Absolutely. Randy Kay, CNN, Dallas. I originally wrote this op-ed after doing the whole podcast because I have a whole other section just on crazy racist stuff that we'll go into right after this op-ed. But I thought it was interesting as I was having a conversation with my wife, the difference between the people on the left and the people on the right. And this is going to be harsh. It's going to sound Rush Limbaugh-esque. But the more I thought of it, the more this is what made sense to me. The left, they hate this country. They hate everything about our history, and they believe we're totally evil. They wear the country that I am an American, which now you can't say I live in the United States. Oh, I can't say that either. They wear like a scarlet letter. I mean, it's just, it's embarrassing. They side with every one of our enemies because they believe 9-11, it's our fault. We treated Arabs bad, that's why they came here. We were in Saudi Arabia, that's why they did this. The Russians. Oh, it's just a big evil plot for the GOP to get elected. So we're going to side with the Russians. We're going to be against us defending ourselves with nuclear weapons. They hate the form of government because they hate the form because opposing views can be heard. Free speech, hate speech. Fox News, propaganda. Any print that does anything that's not within their commandments, their religion of progressivism, oh, it's banned. The opposition base, as you just heard, all of them are un-American, they're Racist, sexist, transphobe, homophobe. There's something because you must demean them. You must make them less than an American. Because if their opinions are valid, well then my opinions can't be valid. Which is why, once again, every other podcast, they hate the Electoral College. They think representation for all Americans doesn't make sense to them. Because... Your opinion in the middle of the country or rural, it doesn't, it's not valued. You're not progressive. You're not moving towards the future. We're not the melting pot. We are a bunch of individual entities that must be broken apart so we can win election. Which is why they wordsmith. They wordsmith everything to make it racist. Bear arms, 
child murderers. Basket of deplorables. All you people having a gun. You're just a you just want to kill people because you're you believe that they're evil. Social media is their domain. Since the day you ever went into a chat room, they abandoned silenced anybody they can't win an argument with. The flag. It brings pride in the country and nationalism. They hate the country and think we shouldn't be exceptional. So thus they make the flag a symbol of our country. Evil. Racist. Xenophobic. Every podcast. Somebody doesn't want to salute the flag, doesn't want the national anthem, uh, doesn't want it in schools because it may trigger illegals. Our own flag. Thus, they don't find fault in a bunch of Antifa motherfuckers defacing the flag, removing the flag, and putting a Mexican flag up. They hate Christians, Catholics, anybody that's not a Muslim. Because we don't buy their immorality of minor attracted person, transgenderism, gay, all this stuff. And we don't vote for them. So if you don't vote for them, you must be cast out. You must be demonized. They hate the military. Because they all want to go back to 68. All right, They all want to be burning their draft cards and their bras. And they, they need the money. They want that money. That's their big plan. The money is the key. They need to break everybody into small groups so they can get elected. They can't get elected on their ideals. They can't get elected on their anti-American rhetoric. But if they bring everybody into small groups and they demonize their opponents, it makes people scared. I mean, look at this. They have climate change to gender all these little claims of aggrieved groups, and they break people down. There's no facts, just emotions, and it makes the majority of America, which sadly is white people, sorry about that, you get the shamed white person who hates that they're white because they bought all this stuff, and they get fired up, and they go out and protest, they go on TV, they go on social media, they are the MSM, and thus every day we're turning out more aggrieved groups. There's always a new group we're talking about, a new cause, a new social justice something to get their base fired up, because as you're doing it, you're making those people fear people they don't agree with it. So we have to win. If we don't win this election, our country is going to fall apart. You hear that all the time. Their wordsmithing is epic because they can't win the argument. And with free speech, other views might get out there. So they they take words and they make them now omitted. You can't say this. You can't say that. And if you say it, you're labeled with an ist or an obe. That's how they silence opposing views. And then to make matters worse, they flood the country with illegals. They want that for the representation, as we talked about at nauseum, so they get more representation in Washington. They give them everything free because they're the first step in getting them to vote for us, give them driver's license, and hopefully someday if they're legal, or if they accidentally vote illegally, oh well, They'll vote for us. So that's the, the red carpet. Here, we'll give you free health care. We'll give you free everything. <clears throat> the rest of their base, they have spent since Obama, who sowed these evil seeds in my mind, 
enslaving progressives, young kids, into the free. Free health care, free housing, free college, free phones. And remember, under Obama, we had the lowest participation workforce participation level ever. We had more people on food stamps than we ever had. And we had more people on Social Security disability than we ever had. That was by design. Because if you give me free, I'm going to vote for you. Then they threw the ACH in there. Knowing that companies like mine, who had already streamlined down to less positions, less personnel, but everybody got 40 hours. They throw the ACH out there knowing the companies are going to have to retard workforce. They're going to have to fucking do more with less people, which thus puts more people on the government rolls. Thus voting for Democrats. It was a plan. They they knew it was going to happen. Then they throw the 15 wages in there. Must be minimum wage, which they just voted in this week. $15 an hour. They know the moment they pass that, There'll be more automation. I mean, I was in the middle of nowhere fucking Iowa, folks. I didn't talk to a person when I went to McDonald's. I went to a kiosk. The person handed me the food. There was no register. There was four kiosks. They know workforces are going to reduce employment. They're going to reduce hours. Because they won't be able to stay in business if they don't do that. But they want this to happen because, once again, it puts more people on the government dole. Everything Obama put back in the workforce, all the people getting hired, they were not well-paying jobs. They were minimum wage, low-hour jobs. People were trying to avoid the ACA that they designed that way. If you throw on top the next level stupid with the Green New Deal, that's even worse. Everybody gets a job. There's a fucking pot in every house, in every kitchen, and a chicken in it. I mean, all this crazy socialism thing. Do you think people in the Soviet Union were rich? Drove any car they wanted? Had all the food they wanted? No, they didn't. But that's what they want, because then you're totally depended on the government. For your phone, for your house, for everything. Their sole goal is to change the country. Because if they change the country enough, it never goes back to conservative rule. It'll always be liberal. It's a tipping point. Eventually more people are on the government dole that aren't. And those people are going to vote for the people handing them the check. You restrict speech, you restrict guns, you own the press, you fucking just stifle social media. Get rid of the electoral college, throw in global warming, cooling change fucking regulations, and it's power. That's how they maintain power. If you silence opposition, if you make sure everybody's on the free... You're always in charge. They don't like America the way it is. They just don't. They have their base so scared. A new Pew research, 91% of Democrats see violence coming. 
We'll hear it in our AOC stuff. They see violence coming. They think violence is going to happen because of Trump's war on words. Because the media and them ignore the fact that violence has already come from their words. Baseball games, ICE detention, people in mega hats. They're the ones committing violence. But when you commit violence for a just cause, they believe that's not violence. We've heard it with fucking Lemon. White people are the biggest terrorists in the world. We've heard it from Cuomo. Not all punches are the same morally. We've heard these words. They believe their cause is just. America's evil. The flag's evil. You're evil if you're a white person and you're not a prog. They have their base so brainwashed that that girl literally takes her tips as a waitress, making very little money, and she hands it to Bernie Sanders. Obama did all of this. Obama stood on the stage and in fancy words said, your opposition is evil and we must fight them. If we do not fight them, if we do not beat them, our country will go away. So you get in your house course coat and you go on out there and you protest. Which turned into, you must get in the face of anybody that supports Trump. You must make sure people that are of low regard and work for this administration cannot have a dinner. They cannot go out and about. They do not deserve that. All the while, they're talking about the brown shirts on the conservatives. They're all brown shirts. They're the fucking Nazis. Not to the right. The right lowers taxes, gives you more money in your fucking paycheck, hoping businesses who are getting lower taxes will put the money back in their workforce. It doesn't work all the time. Yeah, they pander to Christians and religious folk and traditional marriage in the middle of the country where we ignore the 95 pronouns and things like that. And their claim to fame and how they get elected is to make you fear other things other countries, other entities like Al-Qaeda, and say, we're going to keep you safe because those liberals over there, they like them. And that's how they vote pander. I don't consider myself a Republican, but I do consider myself a conservative, a slight-of-center conservative. Some would disagree out there in Berkeley or places that listen to this podcast. Because I love this country. I do believe we're exceptional because I've been to other countries and I've seen how they treated their women. I saw how they treated gays. I saw how they treated little kids as fuck toys. I've shit on the ground, not in flush toilets. I've had to go get water because they didn't have running water or electricity or any of the amenities our poorest person has. I've seen what totalitarian regimes like the left wants to become, where they tell you how to wipe your ass, what to think, what God is authorized, and have special classes. I see how they treat people and how those countries ran. It was fucked up, dude. 
It wasn't good at all. So country's great. The flag is worth dying for. Rich Lowry wrote an article on it. Hey, you idiots, people died for that flag that you call racist, that you deface because of border security that was put in under bipartisan resolutions in the course of our history and is so liberal compared to the rest of the world. If you step back, even if you're the biggest prog, and you look at these two parties and how they go about being elected and what they go into, what mode they go into every election, it's hard for me to vote for a Democrat who won't finance the wars that they help create. Who hate our country. Hate everything about it. Who actually demean the opposition. I may make fun of people on here for what they say on Twitter or their stupid ideals. But unless you're an Omar and you're an Islamist, I rarely say you're un-American. The left has gone from, well, if you vote for those guys, they're going to take you back to the ditch, like Obama, and gone straight into, you're a Nazi, you're a white supremacist, you must be destroyed. See, if Pew would have asked me, do you see violence in the future? I would have answered, we already have violence now. And it's coming from progressives, not from conservatives. You can hang your hat on some tiki torch fucking carrying motherfuckers in Charlottesville two years ago and say that's where the hate in our world is coming from. You can hang your hat on Trump's tweets. But I can hang my entire hat collection on the every podcast reports I put out and the rhetoric coming from our media and Democratic politicians and representatives that says you must be eradicated. Your ideas must be investigated. Your beliefs are un-American. I said it once in the beginning. We used to be a melting pot. All the countries, all the genders, all the fucking races and ethnicities came into one place and we became a country of many ideas. And I've said on the show a billion fucking times, I know what I believe in Tennessee is not what they believe in Alabama, New York, South Dakota, or Nevada. We're a vastly huge country with many different norms and values and morals. But the moment you believe you are the only or the arbiter of what America is, you have stepped off into very, very un-American conduct. Because our country was founded that I could stand on a street corner and be saying we need to build 
a fucking system that doesn't allow 300 motherfuckers an hour to pour through our border and have those people get treated better than the poor in our country. And you could be on the other side of the street saying, we need to open the border and allow all comers to come because of a fucking poem at the bottom of the fucking Statue of Liberty. And at the end of the day, we can look at each other and walk away. That's this country. You, abortion to college. Me, abortion legal, safe, and infrequent with restrictions on second trimester abortions. End of the day, we walk away. The left is building a country where that is no longer authorized. It's not even authorized right now on Twitter. Twitter. A social media company. Google. Microsoft. With autocorrecting word. And that is un-American. To our last music break and into the home stretch, we're going on into the latest. Everybody's a fucking racist because Trump said, go back, fix your country, and then come back and fix ours.
poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. Congresswoman Ilhan Omar has come under fire for some of the remarks she made that she said people say some anti-Semitic and divisive, and divisive things. Should she be criticized? Do you see her the comparison between her remarks and what the president said in the same as the same? I do not. Why? She was very specific in criticizing the policies of a country. In this case, the country was Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trump has specifically criticized racial groups of people. When, we, when he said that Mexicans uh, are, are rapists, when he said that black people, that a trait of, of blacks is, is laziness, mm-hmm. uh, this is a con- condemnation of, of a racial group of people. That is effectively racism. When we criticize a country's policies, that is not, when you criticize Israeli policies, that's not anti-Semitic. But when you say there's something wrong with Jews, that is. And I haven't heard her say that. It's a two-pronged fight for him. One, it's about uh, consolidating his party and in in, consolidating his power in the Republican Party, making sure all Republicans know that in order to be comfortable in the Trump Republican Party, they must be willing to defend him in this particular case. He will not uh, accept anything other than that. He's been actively praising Kevin McCarthy for his comments this morning. He's taking note. He's watching TV. Uh, he's paying attention to who's saying what on the Republican side, but he's also trying to completely rebrand and, and frankly, uh, rewrite history around these tweets, saying that this was always about socialism and always about um, about ideology, when in fact his tweet absolutely had nothing to do with ideology. It had everything to do with assuming that these four uh, individuals were not Americans uh, because they did not look like Americans, and in his view, because his view. they criticized America. And I think he, uh, uh, Lindsey Graham said it yesterday to a reporter that uh, if you, uh, if you are, are wearing a MAGA hat and you support President Trump, all of this would be fine, but uh, in this country, I think a lot of people believe that the right of Americans is to criticize the country without uh, being uh, criticized by the government. That's why they threw the tea in Boston Harbor. It's kind of the very beginning. The very beginning yeah. of the American experiment is that you have the right to complain. Uh, it is the very beginning of the experiment, that you have a right to complain against authority and against power. Our president seems to forget the history. Maybe that was something to do with the Maybe. Thank you for joining us tonight. There's a great legacy here at CBS News of the finest journalists. One of them was Edward R. Murrow, who eloquently captured the power of television when he said, this instrument can teach, it can illuminate, yes, and even it can inspire, but it can do so only to the extent that humans are determined to use it to those ends. Otherwise, it's nothing but wires and lights in a box. There is a great and perhaps decisive battle to be fought against ignorance, intolerance, and indifference. This weapon of television could be useful. To Mr. Murrow, we will try to use it well. And we- Tonight, the president denies his tweets are racist, even as he steps up his attacks on four congresswomen of color. We begin with breaking news in Washington. Four Democratic congresswomen of color have just spoken publicly as a group for the first time about the racist tweets aimed at them by the president of the United States. President Trump continued his attacks at the White House today 
again inviting these congresswomen to leave the country. And CBS News has learned that Speaker Nancy Pelosi met with her leadership team tonight to discuss a House resolution denouncing the president's language. Republican leadership in Congress, well, they've been noticeably, noticeably silent. The president defiantly defended himself at a Made in America event this morning that was supposed to showcase U.S. products, but his racist tweets about who should stay in America quickly got all his attention. Speaker Nancy Pelosi said the House would hold a vote on a resolution condemning the president's tweets, forcing GOP lawmakers to go on the record. And she accused Mr. Trump of wanting to make America white again. Speaker Pelosi says you want to make America white again. Is that true? Well, that's just a very racist statement. Somebody that would say that. Weijia joins us now from the White House. And Weijia, why haven't the Republican leaders in Congress commented on this? Nora, it is not a lack of trying. CBS News has been pressing GOP leaders all day long, including Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, to weigh in on this escalating controversy. But so far, we have gotten silence. Also at the White House tonight is Major Garrett, and he's been covering Mr. Trump since he began his first presidential campaign four years ago. Major looks at the president's long history of controversial racial comments. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. The nation has observed Mr. Trump as candidate and president, judge and judge harshly based on race, religion and ethnicity. Mr. Trump's willingness to invite charges of racism is now a staple of his presidency, as is the resiliency of his support, foreshadowed by his own words during the campaign. Where I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? It's like incredible. Congresswoman, do you believe that there's any danger in the constant stream of upping the ante that seems to come from this White House and this president? His words have a long tail. They're echoed in conservative media outlets. He had social media provocateurs at the White House last week and celebrated what are usually false attacks. One of them had put out a false attack against Senator Kamala Harris. Are you concerned that this debate is getting out of control? Well, I I absolutely am. And one of them also had uh, put out a really anti-Semitic political cartoon as well. And he was welcomed into the White House. I will tell you that I am seriously worried about the lives of our four colleagues, two of which are members of the Congressional Black Caucus. But these four women go through death threats every single day. They don't talk about it very often. I'm very worried that one of them might be injured if not killed. And you remember when the guy went in and shot up the synagogue, remember who he cited? He said that the president said that they were getting funding to uh, encourage Central Americans to come over to the United States. I believe that his racist, racist, hateful rhetoric absolutely has consequences. All he needs to do is trigger somebody who is mentally unstable or who is a bigger racist than he is and somebody else is going to get hurt. I believe people have already been hurt because of his racist rhetoric. Congresswoman, I just want to get you on the record and make sure that I understand exactly what you're saying. Do you believe that other than endangering the lives of these four congresswomen that he targeted in those racist tweets, do you believe he's putting, do you believe he'd have blood on his hands if there were a racially inspired attack in this country? I absolutely believe that, yes. 
And so, Aisha, do you think, I mean, what, what I hear Kevin McCarthy and Senator Lindsey Graham doing is, as I said, redirecting. So trying to get away from the racist comments that President Trump said and trying to say, well, these women are socialists. That's what people should be ups- upset about. That's what the president should be talking about. They're socialists. Do you think that Democrats are making a mistake tactically, because you're a strategist, of allowing themselves to be branded as socialists, not coming up with some sort of new name? Do you think that that, that they're winning uh, that Republicans are winning in that kind of branding exercise. That is our media defending what they're calling the squad now, like they're a bunch of fucking rappers or some shit, or Taylor Swift and Wallace. There's multiple times we'll show during this segment that there'll be blood on Trump's hand. This is their deflection off what did happen like this. Double standard, man who attacked ICE facility used AOC-like concentration camp rhetoric. Media remain silent. In a manifesto that he allegedly wrote, the attacker whom the Daily Wire is not naming identified himself as part of a far-left extreme group Antifa in a document according to CBS affiliate Cairo 7. Only local are covering this stuff. The attacker was armed with a rifle and incendiary devices and he was tossing on the Northwest Detention Center. Friends said he did make a statement in his manifesto he sent to them Friday night. In it he says, I regret that I will miss the revolution, he wrote, doing what I can to help defend my precious and wondrous people in the experience too rich to describe. I am Antifa. Kiro 7 report included a link to the manifesto where the attacker used the term concentration camp four times and referred to them as being corporate for profit. We covered this last podcast. Their words are inciting this, but we're not even covering it. We're not even covering it. Then, far-left activists celebrate Holman Memorial for Fallen Comrade. Deadly Wild, blah, 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 blah. On Wednesday, Antifa members also reportedly held a memorial for their Fallen Comrade. An Occupy ICE Twitter account tweeted on the memorial information on Monday regarding a service set for Wednesday at first highlighted by Big League Politics. Stand with us to honor our Fallen Comrade, his name, this Wednesday at 8.30. Added the address of an ICE facility in Portland, Seattle Antifa Action has posted a eulogy and the ICE firebombers alleged manifesto on its Facebook page that is sent to friends before the attack. Journalist Andy Ngo reported on Sunday. In it, he allegedly wrote, I am Antifa, blah, blah, blah. We are good friends and comrades, took a stand against the fascist detention center in Tacoma, became a martyr who gave his life to struggle against fascism. He will. He was kind and deeply loved by many communities. We cannot let his death go unanswered. Throughout history, we idolize, we idolize figures like John Brown for their courage to stand, ultimately stand against oppression. Of course, he was the first person killed trying to free slaves. And today we stand strong in our support for yet another martyr in the struggle of fascism. May his death serve as a call to protest and direct action. The Post concluded. NGO also noted that CNN recently ran a documentary about the Antifa militant that the attacker belonged to. The terrorist is actually shown for four seconds on the documentary. That's right. This guy's a good guy? Well, wait a minute. That Wu-Tang hat is a good sign. I'm heading to meet the Seattle area chapter called the Puget Sound John Brown Gun Club. In the backwoods, doing their thing. Why aren't more white people here 
And I mean, maybe here with us right now, but I mean here in this frame of mind. You know, specifically, like, you've actually at times had to get out there and get and mix it up. What was it like? I jumped, like, at him, but I, I picked him up, like, off the ground, and I threw him on the ground, and then I just jumped on him, and I started, like... So this is the thing you put up around neighborhoods? Yeah. This guy works for ICE, grabbing kids, taking them away from their families, whatever. Oh. I love that these are, uh... I know. I like that. <laughs> Can I put your yeah. on? I want to ask. And this is, a. Uh... I okay. usually have a couple of those on me, just in case. Just, uh, just in case. I use it for whatever I need to use it for. Good job, white people. This article then goes on to say BLM leader celebrated attacker as a martyr encouraged future attack on ICE and tweets. He would later quietly delete. Blank just become the first martyr attempted to liberate imprisoned refugees from a prof- for-profit detention center in Tacoma. His hero was John Brown, a white abolitionist who led the raid on Harper's Ferry in 19, 1859. This is what our country has come to. We are told that this is the final letter of him who was shot and killed by law enforcement as he attempted to attack the for-profit refugee detention center. It's a beautiful, painful, devastating letter. His action will be called terrorism, King said of the terrorist, and people will call him crazy, but neither are two. His mind was clear. He is now arm in arm with John Brown. Yeah, let's just get more racist shit in there. You know, we got to go back to the Civil War. Trump administration, by the way, while all this is going on, has already reunited 95% of migrant children. A focus of swing voters side with Trump on immigration. It was done by Axios. They had 12 voters. The voters were from Warren, Michigan, which is in Macomb County. Axios reported that the town voted for Hillary by 10 points. Axios described this as narrow when by 51.9 to 42. It's hardly narrow. Macomb County, however, voted for Trump by 48,351 votes. The group included nine people who voted for Barack Obama in 12 and Trump in 16, and three who flipped from Mitt Romney to Hillary Clinton. So, yes, the group was skewed towards Trump, but seeing on how the people had previously voted for Obama, they could change their votes in 2020. As they went through it, they all were like, we got to fix this shit. We just got to. <clears throat> National Review also did a reporting that 1,200-person survey taken by Mexican newspaper Reforma found 55% supported deporting the migrants before they reached the United States. We're about to go into what we did cover, but that wasn't covered. How about California gang member charged in L.A. machete murder and racketeering? An MS-13 gang member in Los Angeles hacked to death seven people in the last two years, including a rival gang member who was dismembered and had his heart cut out by six MS-13 soldiers in the Angel National Forest for defacing the gang's graffiti, federal authorities say. 22 people alleged affiliated with the gang, Fulton Click and San Fernando Valley, were indicted by a grand jury on racketeering charges that include nearly 200 criminal acts. The sweeping 78-page indictment marks the latest salvo between California law enforcement and the gangs. And I'm sure the law enforcement is having a fucking hard time trying to get it done with cities protecting animals like that. He cut a fuck. He did Indiana Jones on a motherfucker. It's a vague reference, but they put the hand in the heart, the little voodoo dude. 
They didn't report this either. Senator Kristen Sinema pushes program to streamline removal of migrant families without valid asylum claims. This is the freak, non-gendered, lesbian chick wouldn't get sworn in on a Bible, hates America, yet she lives in a state where it's so out of control, she's devising ways just to get rid of these motherfuckers. Sorry. I'm trying to drink a fucking smoothie. I'm starving. I didn't eat last night. But no, we're, we're going to protect the squad. It's all about the squad. Yeah. In that sound that I played was the RNC actually using their own words. It's their words. But, you know, what the fuck? And then this week, the media was pumping this shit. The idiotos responding to everything. I'm going to preface it with a soundbite of John Carl. Because the next wave was that people literally used... Send them home. Or send them back at a rally. And the world lost their mind over it. But listen to these women. I got individuals on AOC and Omar. But listen to these people. And tell me they love America. And, and, and Mr. President, if I may, when your supporters last night were chanting, chanting, send her back, why didn't you stop them? Why didn't you ask them to stop saying that? Well, number one, I think I did. I started speaking very quickly. It, it really was a loud, I disagree with it, by the way, but it was quite a chant. And uh, I felt a little bit badly about it. But I will say this, uh, I did, and I started speaking very quickly, but it started up rather, rather fast, as you probably know. So, so you'll tell your supporters never to well, say I, that again? I would say that. That, I, that is... I was not happy with it. Uh, I disagree with it. Uh, but, again, I didn't say, I didn't say that. They did. But I disagree but, with But it. they were echoing what you said in your first tweet, that they should go back. Well, I don't think if you examine it, I don't think you'll find that. But... I disagree with it. Anybody else? Why did but, you Mr. but Mr. President, why did they do it? Why did, why did they do it if not responding to you? Is he answering question? Why? What I would suggest as to, I was not happy with it, but what I would suggest, uh, you go there, go to North Carolina, and you ask the people, why did they say that? But that's what they said. But you'll stop them if they try to do it again. Well, I didn't like that they did it, and I started speaking very quickly. I could have... You, you, you let it play out for several seconds. Well, really? Uh, if you would have heard, there was a tremendous amount of uh, noise and action and everything else. I started very quickly. And I that chant went on that. for... Well, I know. You, maybe you're giving me too much credit. You're used to giving me too much credit. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Mrs. Cortez, do you feel responsible at all? Will you tell Americans not to be violent anymore? Antifa to be uh, to be exact. Should Antifa stop being violent? Okay, we'll move the door. You're married to an immigrant who's a nationalized U.S. citizen. If someone were to say to her she should go back to her country because of her criticism of federal policies, wouldn't you consider that a racist attack? Well, the Secretary of Transportation came here at age eight legally, not speaking a word of English, and has realized the American dream. And I think all of us think that uh, this is a process of renewal that's gone on in this country 
uh, for a very long time, and it's good for America, and we ought to continue it. But what well, it was it racist for him to say go back? Was it racist for him to say go back to the country? As I said, uh, the, the, the legal immigration has been a uh, fulfilling of the American dream. Will you condemn Antifa for the attack in Washington? It's easy to condemn a terrorist attack. Will you be condemning Antifa? They firebombed an American facility. Will you condemn them? Will you be condemning them? Do you feel like you have some responsibility in the attack with your rhetoric about concentration camps? Are you responsible? Do you feel ashamed? I read a tweet from a some guy, Carl Gustav. I don't know him, but it, it sums out how most of us feel about this go back home, come back statement. Oh, the people that have called you racist, sexist, homophobic, Nazi for three years are concerned about a harsh comment. How many times have you heard someone tell someone or call someone a commie? If you don't like it here, Delta is ready when you are. Or if you can find a better country, move your ass there immediately. It is said all the time, Trump is not a politician. We always knew he was a blowhard. So pretty sure telling the commie squad what he said isn't an earth-shattering surprise. They aren't proud of this country. They don't love it. Should the president have more self-control? Yes. But he doesn't. Sorry, I'm not overly shocked. Same media fanning themselves right now can't seem to get worked up about words like fascist, white supremacy, Nazi getting thrown around regularly. Show me some consistency and fairness in your reporting and we'll talk. The commie squad has been blatantly anti-Semitic and our YOLO media can always find a way to explain what they really meant or somehow blame Trump for it. Stop making us defend Trump. And he's right. Why? Why? AOC was so fired up, Trump War Room responded to the next soundbite. Uh, spent weeks comparing Americans in ICE uniforms to Nazi concentration camp guards, and then Antifa carried out a terrorist attack against ICE. She refuses to condemn the attack. We will hear her refusing to condemn the attack, but then saying Trump is going to get us killed. Will you condemn Antifa for the attack in Washington? It's easy to condemn a terrorist attack. Will you be condemning Antifa? They firebombed an American facility. Will you condemn them? Will you be condemning them? Do you feel like you have some responsibility in the attack with your rhetoric about concentration camps? Are you responsible? Do you feel ashamed? The president put millions of Americans in danger last night. His rhetoric is endangering lots of people. This is not just about threats to individual members of Congress, but it is about creating a volatile environment in this country through violent rhetoric that puts anyone like Ilhan, anyone who believes in the rights of all people in danger. And I think that he has a responsibility for for that environment. She's used concentration camp never again. 
says it's not referencing the Holocaust, uses concentration camp. They say that's not what she meant, or they go to a Wikipedia fucking definition, and they cover it. But as we segue to Omar, this is the anti-Semitism party. CNN commentator Mark Lamont Hill claimed that news outlets like NBC and ABC were Zionist organization that produced Zionist content at that Netroots um, summit that we covered some of it, the watermelon abortion. He made this comment during a panel on embedding Palestinian rights in the 2020 agenda, which also features statements that Israel was engaged in a white supremacist project. In response to a question from an audi- the audience, he'll describe the choice faced by young journalists when they tell stories about Palestinians. They're like, I want to work for Fox, or I want to work for ABC or NBC or whatever. I want to tell these stories, he said. You have to make choices about where you want to work, and you work for a Zionist organization, you're going to get Zionist content. And no matter how vigorous you are in the newsroom, there are going to be two or three or four, 17 or maybe one powerful person not going to suggest a conspiracy. All news outlets have a point of view, and if your point of view competes with the point of view of the institution, you're going to have challenges. So being pro-Israel, an ally we've always been an ally with, even during Obama, makes you Zionist. Hmm. Not a typo. Democratic poll shows that voter, what voters really think about Omar and AOC. AOC was recognized by 74% of voters in the poll, 22% had a favorable view. Axios, once again, not a conservative source, reported. Representative Omar Minnesota, another member of squad, was recognized by 53% of the voters. 9%, not a typo, had a favorable view. Socialism was viewed favorably by 18% of voters and unfavorably by 69%. Axios added, whereas capitalism was 56% favorable, 32% unfavorable. The firm that conducted the poll gave the results to Axios on the condition that it would not be named because it works with the Democratic Party. A Quinnipiac poll released on Thursday morning found that 23% had a favorable view of the members of Congress, while 36% had an unfavorable view. A 13-point overall approval rating. Vox reported in March... This new poll isn't one off finding. Three prior surveys, one in January for Morning Consult, one in February from Fox. I'm sorry, I have a dog being an asshole in the pen right now because something's out there. That's why you hear it barking. February for Fox and a third mid-March from Gallup all found that more Americans had negative views of AOC than had positive ones. An NBC News Wall Street Journal poll for March found that of socialism in general, only 18% approved of it. But you can't tell with the sound bites I just played. The media love these ladies. A, they hate Trump. B, they're everything they want. Just like Obama. Black president. Obama wasn't that qualified, but he fit what they wanted. A black man. This is our wet dream because we have white guilt. 
We hate our race. We hate America. We hate everything because all we do is cling to the evil shit our country did. Not what we did to fix things. Not what we did to repair our legacy that was flawed. Oh, no, no, no. I hate this country. And we'll be better as long as we have a black president or a black Islamist fucking congressperson. Because the moment this all went down, now this ran this soundbite out. It's part of this tweet from Ineon Islamist. True patriotism is not about blindly supporting a single administration. True patriotism is about fighting for our country and its dignity. True patriot means making sure people of our country and our constitution are uplifted and protected. What she failed to write in there, except for white people, Christians, the U.S. Army, and those nasty, nasty Jews. And it is really important for people to stay vigilant and understand that patriotism isn't fully believing in a particular administration. True patriotism is about fighting for your country and its dignity and making sure that the citizens and the constitution of the country is protected and uplifted. Once we believe and protect a particular head of a country, then we lose sight of everything and that is the biggest sign of trouble to come. And so my fear right now and my biggest worry is when I see people who say, you can't say anything about the president. Because in a, in a democracy, in a country that lives by a constitution that protects the right to free speech, you should be able to criticize your president. You should be able to hold your president accountable. You should be able to expect more without fear, without being looked at as someone who isn't patriotic. So I hope this, this particular confusion that a lot of Americans are having about where their allegiance should be, they need to remember that their allegiance is to the Constitution, their allegiance is to their country, their allegiance is to its society, and it isn't um, about the particular person that is uh, the head of the country. We have said this president is racist. We have condemned his racist remarks. I believe he is fascist. I want to remind people that this is what this president and his supporters have turned our country that is supposed to be a country where we allow democratic debate and dissent to take place. And so this is not about me. This is about us fighting for what this country truly should be. She had a hard time saying patriotism. It was like a dirty word to her. Because it is. 
That woman right there has no right ever to talk about patriotism. You can't talk about patriotism when you mock that Al-Qaeda attacked this country and Al-Qaeda was killing people all over the world. You, you can't talk about patriotism when you come to a country that lifted you out of a refugee camp and allows you to spend every waking day disparaging its citizens, its flag, its every institution, its president, and allows you to be a fucking representative of said people of America. You don't have that right. And you damn sure don't have that right to talk about patriotism. When once again, StarTribune.com, new documents revisit question about Representative Ilian Omar's marriage history. Although she has legally corrected the discrepancy, she has declined to say anything about how or why it happened. Dana Loesch, anytime reporters have asked legitimate questions regarding whether Omar violated immigration law to assist Elmi, they're accused of Islamophobia by her team. The new investigation document released by a state agency has given fresh life to lingering questions about the marital history of Omar and whether she once married a man, possibly her own brother, to skirt immigration laws. Omar has denied the allegation in the past, dismissing them as baseless rumor, first raised in an online Somali politics forum and championed by conservative bloggers during the 2016 campaign for her House seat. But she said little then or since about Ahmed Nur Said Elmi, the former husband who swept into her life in 2009 before a 2011 separation. The question surfaced again this month in a state probe of campaign finance violation showing that Omar filed federal taxes in 14 and 15 with her current husband, Ahmed Hersey, while she was still legally married to but separated from Elmi. Remember, all of this came about because the Minnesota Campaign Finance Board discovered that she had legally used campaign money to hire a lawyer to fix her tax filings. She has a duty as a public official to be forthright about it. The identity politics deflection doesn't cut it. You can't talk about patriotism if you install BDS movement legislation that Nancy Pelosi allowed her to do it. She introduced this week a resolution in support of the anti-Israel BDS movement reported Al Monitor on Tuesday. We are introducing a resolution to really speak about the American values and support and believe in our ability to exercise our First Amendment right to regard to boycotting. And it's an opportunity for us to explain why if we support a nonviolent movement, which is the BDS movement. All of this this week, but you have the only conservative of WAPO, Jennifer Rubin, either stand with American principles, which is this case, means standing in defense of the squad, or equivocate, which means standing with Trump and white nationalism. Or you have the morning crew... At NBC, supporters of Representative Omar leave notes outside her D.C. congressional office Friday morning. Or Gail King. Major, you know, when you're when you're watching it, I think for a lot of people, this is very frightening. I I, I just want to help. I want I would like you to help us understand 
why you can't disagree with the president without being called un-American. I just met the squad the other day. I don't know them. I had never talked to any of them before that interview and only spent 30 minutes. Not one of them has ever said, I hate America. Not one of them has ever said, I don't want to be here. In fact, I would say they love this country so much. They spoke with such pride about being in the being in Congress. They pointed out where they sat in that room and the bills that they passed and the passion that they have for this country and their people and their constituents. So for him to say with a with a big microphone, they hate this country. That just is simply not true. And it scares me that he's putting that narrative out there. No talk of her anti BDS. No talk about her scoffing at al-Qaeda, no talk about her skirting immigration laws and marrying her brother, no talk about her illegal campaign use. Yeah, that doesn't make the news. They just see her as a perfect example of what they want America to be. A country led by people who fucking hate this country. going to move now to This is America, and then we're going to do lighter fare to end on a happy note. You know, I've been covering it through this last couple weeks, the 50th anniversary of the moon. But on the days of the big accomplishments, instead of recognizing what a great accomplishment we, as America, accomplished, Per usual, because we cannot be exceptional, America must be horrible, it must be hated, and it must be the scarlet letter. NBC gives us the soundbite, but every major liberal paper piled on with either the global cooling warming change implications or that landing on the moon was some sexist, racist shit. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the last soundbite. Like the media say when they are pushing liberal agenda stories. This is America in 2019. Beating the Russians to the moon was a big darn deal, a battle won in our long Cold War. But it did nothing to heal our broken cities, which were bleeding from riots, and did nothing to stop the U.S. from digging deeper into the trench of despair that was Vietnam. Fifty years later, our Mother Earth is burning up from abuse and neglect. Maybe space is just easier to conquer than our problems here at home. Poverty, inequality, disease, climate change. We wonder, 50 years later, what big thing could we, should we, accomplish now? New York Times, Apollo space program guilty of gender bias against women. 
Last month, WAPO couldn't let the 75th anniversary of D-Day go by without a bizarre non-sequitur about racism and rape in World War II. Now NYT has hijacked the moon landing with head-scratching complaints of sexism, arguing the Apollo program's gender bias block women from going to the moon and makes it more difficult for them to this day. That's okay. The Apollo space program was never the great anyway. New York Times writer Mary Robinette Kowal, if you got a hyphen name, you're a douchebag, is hopeful that in the future, man missions to the moon will include both the first woman and the next man. And that first woman will face added hurls, hurdles simply because everything in space carries the legacy of Apollo. It was designed by men for men, she says. Apollo is toxic in its masculinity now, but she admits designs were not deliberately for men. So not deliberately discriminatory, just accidentally. For example, many of the space suits used throughout the most of NASA's history were designed for men, not providing for different sizes. And we already went through this a couple months ago. What's more, ladder rungs were too high. Pistol grip tools, da-da-da-da-da, blah, blah, blah. Their tweet. New York Times, the Apollo program was designed by men for men. If we do not acknowledge the gender bias of the early space program, it becomes difficult to move past. Other angle, America may be the first man on the moon, but the Soviet Union sent the first woman, the first Asian man, the first black man into orbit, all year, years before the U.S. would follow suit. Did I not just say in my op-ed, they always side with our enemy? These people are the same motherfuckers that have been running front-page articles about Russia is meddling in our election. They own Trump. They are the devil. They're the same people that said Mitt Romney was a psycho for saying Russia is our threat during the 2012 election. And they are the same people that were siding with Russia during the nuclear arms race. You're fucking hypocrites. Patricia Heaton, the New York Times designed by men for men. If we do not acknowledge the gender bias of the early New York Times, it becomes difficult to move past it. Isn't that good? Lover. But holy math is geek. Holy math nerd is his handle on Twitter. Breaks this down to people literally said, this is better than the article. USSR and post-Soviet Russia combined, four women astronauts since 1963, the USA, almost 50, including all these first, mother, Chinese-born woman, payload specialist, married couple, black woman, Hispanic woman, shuttle pilot, commander, ISS commander, and teacher. Also the oldest, more USA distinction for women astronauts, first Indian American woman in space, first and second female commander and pilot, most cumulative time in space, 665 days, most EVAs, first woman to make third, fourth, and fifth flights, five women out of 11 total in current astronaut class, not bad for the space program of a deeply misogynistic hellscape country that won't let any woman succeed in STEM, huh? Read more about the women in our amazing astronaut class here. Yeah, but once again, facts or emotion? Let's go with emotion. WAPO. The culture that put men on the moon was intense, fun, family-friendly, and mostly white and male. Their angle, it was white supremacy that put us on the moon. There was even a motherfucking article about how when we put the flag on the moon, it was racist. That's progressivism right there. You can't have people like in America. 
You can't have people thinking we're nas- we're fucking exceptional. Nationalism, oh, that leads to fascism. I would submit, as I did in my op-ed, your entire progressive religion from fucking bolts to nuts is cultish fascism. You got motherfuckers becoming martyrs to free people from detention centers that were in those very same detention centers under your president, but you ignored it for eight fucking years. So, let's have some fun to end this very disgustingly sad for me podcast. First was going to be our tweet of the day, but I waved off as I went into my op-ed. A journalist and, you know... Jim Acosta, not a journalist, an activist, were triggered when they showed up to a rally and there was a teenage band out front, all in mega garb, singing this song, CNN Sucks. Freaking awesome. And also awesome, our lighter fare today. Once again, Ranger up on what's going to be like to attack Area 51. And Matt Best 11X. Both those are on YouTube. You can find their channels. Military Ballad. Enjoy.
felt so right Now I'm stuck in a suit and tie Wishing I was back with the boys I can't believe we missed this shit Yes, it's true That one was a blast to make, dude. You know, a lot more to come after this. Yeah. That one. yeah. One of my favorite projects we've worked on. Anyways, check it out. It's on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, pretty much everywhere. And if you didn't know, my book, Thank You for My Service, is on pre order right now. Make sure you check it out. It's a book about my whole entire life, how I got here. It's exciting. And also check out blackriflecoffee.com. Join the coffee club. It's the coolest thing ever. Um, other than that, Let's go write another song. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> People are storming Area 51. I will be the first to storm Area 51. I think it's finally time that we got a whole army together just to run them down. I'm gonna go there and we're gonna raise hell. We're gonna start a riot and we're gonna go get some alien ass cheeks. Do you understand? I plan on storming Area 51. two guys on the roof are they armed i don't know simple fucking question trade you see what negative that's not the question you asked you asked if they were armed the answer to that one is i don't fucking Obviously know you're fucking armed ortega why else would they be running around up there? i don't fucking know do i i don't understand these fucking people all i know is we need to see weapons escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? That is some good shit. So this wraps up another episode of Flower Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends and send comments about the track or suggestions to the email address foppodcast at gmail.com. Fop podcast gmail.com you can get this show on soundcloud pack aesthetic tune in radio google play itunes blueberry stitcher and pocket cast remember to check out our facebook page at fop podcast and our twitter page at fop tony reed our next podcast is going to be the 24 24 24th of july year of our lord 2019 that'll be wednesday 
gives me a couple days to put things together. I want to once again want to thank Sean in Oregon, my nephew, for the great story to lead off our show. And Big Sis in Colorado, as usual, great stories, and I thank you for your participation. I want to thank the two individuals that will uh, sent emails in, and I ask everybody else do the same. Get in here. I, I get enough of them. I'll start playing the male motherfucker soundbite. It's one of my favorite soundbites I have. Hope you all stay cool. It's hot as shit down here. We're going to cool off on Monday, which I'm looking forward to. Get down to about 80 in the Tennessee Valley. <clears throat> Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yes. Tune back in Wednesday for another show. And as always, thanks for listening and take care. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count.